When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day, all the way from the wastelands of California. My name is Michael, and I'm a mere figment of your imagination. I look forward to once again serve you those sounds of salvation. First-time listeners, turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a very different kind of show, a place where you don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe. I do admire you for your curiosity. Live and direct right now on the TuneIn Radio app. Search End of Days or go to michaeldeacon.com if you care to interact with me or other listeners like yourself. My guest tonight is Dan Cromer. He is a whistleblower, researcher, and columnist. He has spent a great deal of time deciphering false flag events. He has risen several fascinating points. On the second half of the program, tonight rapper, musician, and actor, Muggsy Brady, the man from Down Under, will join us for his first rodeo here on the program. I hope you stick around. Full house tonight without Uncle Jesse. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for being here wherever you are out there anywhere in this universe. In a moment, Dan will join us here, and you've heard him before with Jim Fetzer. You've read his articles. We'll be covering a great deal of ground from cults to politics and official narratives. Your phone calls are, of course, always wanted and needed here. Please feel free to call in any time. Questions for myself or the guest. Don't be shy. It's just you and me and a few other vaguely lovable souls. That number is 760-332-8724. Let's hear those sweet little voices. 760-332-8724. 8724. And now for your listening pleasure, let's bring in Dan. This is the end. Oh my goodness. Dan, how are you? This is the end. This is the end of days again. That's, that's, this a, is the end. <laughs> that's a pretty, that's a pretty good job there. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it's a, I'm just tickled to death here, um, Michael, to be on the program, the end of days with you this evening. And I don't feel so alone. You're right. I really don't hear with you. Uh, I feel like you're maybe in um, a room on the second floor of this building above me. Um, so thank you for having me on the show, Michael. Yeah, no problem. And, of course, I've read plenty of your articles on Jim Fetzer's website, on his personal uh, blog website, that is, and great stuff. Oh, thank you. You know, J- Jim Fetzer, uh, the most dangerous mind in America, they say, and I was afraid that maybe your program here had gone up in smoke 
after his appearance, what, just two weeks ago, uh, which I listened to and enjoyed. Um, so I'm glad to see that Jim didn't get you, uh, you know, banished from uh, California or the universe. Oh, my goodness. I know, right? <laughs> you know, he has a way of doing that. He really does. Actually, I've taken maybe two different hits on YouTube because of Jim and some of the material that we discuss here. Yeah, make sure you don't put a, a hashtag uh, Jim Fetzer <laughs> when you post this one uh, to YouTube just to be safe. Um, no yeah, kidding. I've seen him, uh, you know, in action take down some uh, uh, YouTube channels uh, unintentionally, of course. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, he's got all these interesting things in his mind. And, and in all seriousness, uh, Jim is great. Um, and um, – I um began collaborating with Jim about uh about a year ago um with less than a year ago it was the Las Vegas event ah uh, yes uh, the, the staged Las Vegas uh mass shooting event which uh is now in the Guinness Book of World Records for the biggest fake shooting in American history uh so uh that's uh that's when I started working with Jim because you know when Las Vegas broke uh, a lot of us, uh, I say a lot of us, people that I follow in, you know, Jim's work and other people that I follow that, you know, follow, uh, you know, these kind of, uh, events. Um, after Las, after Las Vegas occurred, uh, we, it took, it took a, it took several days for, you know, really kind of theories to emerge. Correct. And I'll say, you, and you remember this, right? You're covering this as it's happening. Um, here was one of the first terms I heard that uh, was new to me from Las Vegas, a hybrid false flag. You know, so prior, you know, we dealt with false flag events. We dealt with hoaxes and then the possibility of um, really that those were the two kind of basic ideas. Right. You know, nothing. It's all staged. It's all fake or, um, you know, it's staged. People died. But the perpetrators aren't who, you know, they're telling us, right? Those were the, typically the two kind of basic conclusions to come to. But with Las Vegas, this new third choice emerged, hybrid false flag. And I heard Robert David Steele say that, hybrid. I think this is a hybrid false flag. And I thought, well, that's, I think that's the safest thing you could say because you're kind of covering, you know, your alternative conspiracy theory arse, uh in one way. Uh, and then you're, uh, you know, by saying, you know, they're lying, they're lying. Uh, but then you're covering yourself, um, by not saying, oh, this is a hoax and the whole thing's fake. So it kind of became, in short, it became this middle ground, I think, between those two choices. And so that's what I was hearing for days. And, um, and I, like others, were follow, were going down these rabbit holes of multiple shooters. You know, so I'm watching this footage. On YouTube, replaying this stuff, and I'm like, I'm gonna find that multiple shooter. I know they're there. I can hear it. I can hear it. You know, right? Uh, the taxi, the taxi driver, right? She's gonna, she, she's gonna lead us there. You know, and I was going down all those rabbit holes, and then it occurred to me to ask the question: Well, what if the sounds of the shots are all fake? What if that's the case? Then this is all just conspiracies within conspiracies, right? to have people follow down these uh, multiple shooter rabbit holes and things for the rest of their lives, you know, which is literally what people end up doing. 
you know, I mean, people still discuss JS, JFK assassination. Of course. You know? Right. You know, so it was the perfect conspiracy. So I started asking that question and then testing that against what I was seeing against the footage available. And it occurred to me, wait a minute, this is brilliant. You fake the gunfire. And of course, then I started researching military tools. And of course, they have this whole arsenal of uh, frequency induced weapons. And um, and I saw demos for them online. You know, th- this stuff is open source if you, you know, are digging for it. And I saw the that the military had utilized these um, sound devices in Iraq where they could make it sound as though there was an attack from U.S. soldiers in a specific location. But in fact, there was no one there, you know, and it was just uh, this ambush. So you could, they could literally place, you know, sounds um, hundreds of yards away from where they were actually occurring. And I thought, okay, well, yeah, that'd be handy to have. And um, um, and then it's a concert, so you have a built-in, you know, PA system. You have a built-in sound system. Um, even you know, if you needed to u- utilize that, um, it might just be simply a matter of shutting it down, just assuring that you can turn it off. So. So anyway, you know, so I then came to the conclusion that the audio was fake and, um, you know, and once again, this whole thing was just an elaborate hoax, like uh, the Boston bombing, for example, or Sandy Hook. And so I contacted Jim uh, because I didn't see anybody talking about this uh, and exploring this. So, you know, he um, so I, you know, I reached out to him. And um, he replied, and and we, uh, you know, really just started straight away working from there. Oh, I see. Um, Yeah, we started working from there, and he had me on his program, um, the Raw Deal on the Rents Radio Network. Uh, This was this would have been late, or no, this would have been like early October last year, mid mid October. And so he had me on his program, and um, and then and and we had been working collaborating together for a week or so on this and earnest now that we had this, um, you know, this theory that we were testing and proving. Um, And he had me on his show. And so we were the first ones coming out saying, wait a minute, this thing's, this is another hoax, you know? Um, And, and then uh, the the story kept developing. So he had me on his, so, so, so let's say that was a Tuesday. So then he had me on Thursday along with Mona Alexis Presley, who's another, uh, collaborator with Jim, um, and I and had her on. And then Jim was pulled, uh, unceremoniously fired. I mean, immediately from the Rents radio network, which right. was kind of a big, which was kind of a big deal. You know, I mean, it really was, you know, and here I am, um, you know, I'd been working with Jim for a few weeks and, you know, I've already been fired with, him, you know, it's like, well, you caught, you know, you well, caught welcome, heat. welcome to working with the most dangerous mind in America, you know. I, so you caught heat for, for working with Jim. We'll say that again. I, I said you caught some heat for working with Jim yourself. Yeah, yeah. My appearance on his raw radio or the raw deal on Rents Radio Network was the, the I was on the last show. He got fired after my appearance. Oh, you mean uh, that? Oh, OK, that situation. I thought you meant that you got fired from somewhere. Uh, not, no, not, no, 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 no. He got fired. Yeah, I appear with him right okay, on the show understood. for the first time, and then and, and he gets fired, right? Yeah, we because, talked a little bit about that. Me and 
uh, Fetzer about his fallout with uh, Jeff Rince. Yeah, yeah, and that that was like like I said, that was kind of a big deal, you know. Um, you know, obviously Jeff Jeff Rince's you know network. Um, yeah, I mean he has you know his uh, media uh, channel uh, there going is right. successful and has been for a long time. Rince, right? And so you know Jim, uh, you know getting fired uh, was kind of a big story it at was. the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it really was. And, and so that was the beginning of me and Jim on the radio, um, was getting fired from the Rents uh, network from talking about, uh, Las Vegas. And, and on one of those programs, I spent a good deal of time, um, studying or focusing on and exposing the occult aspects, the symbolism you know, the numerology and things like that of Las Vegas. And, you know, and that's an area that Jim doesn't research himself. Right. He doesn't really go down that sort of path. Right. Yeah. You know, he's open to it when it's presented to him, you know, in a, you know, in a clear way, he's certainly open to it. And, and so, you know, that was kind of a unusual thing for his show too. You know, I spent a great, like I said, a good portion of the program talking about, you know, decoding this event because it was just too perfect. You know, it was a movie. I mean, that's what it was. It was a movie. And then, you know, having that backdrop of Las Vegas, um, you know, which was uh, created by the Jewish mafia, still controlled by Jewish mafia, um, and all of the symbolism there. I mean, it was just, you know, Masonic, you know, Disneyland, really, to have this concert. And then, uh, Jason Aldean, right? And, uh, he's got the Illuminati, uh, cards tattooed on his shoulder. I mean, that whole storyline too, just really was just, uh, yeah, quite, uh, what's the word? I mean, it's just it's incredible. It's a bizarre you incident. Know? Yeah. You know, and, and I'm one to say that in general, you know, I start from the standpoint of there are no such things as coincidences. You know, I think coincidence, uh, the coincidence, uh, conspiracists are some of the worst people, uh, for, you know, people seeking the truth, you know, those who think everything's a coincidence, you know, um, so I tend to think there are no coincidences. So yeah, so you had, you know, the Aldean, uh, JA, t- uh, tattoos, you had Paddock, um, and the symbol, symbolism behind his name, you know, a paddock is an area where, uh, sheep and, uh, animals, you know, are kept. You know, it, it's a fenced-in area for sheep. That's what a paddock is, and that was his last name, you know. Uh, <laughs> your name is your uh, destiny. Right, yeah. I mean, you know, it's just right there, you know, the cliche, hiding in plain sight. It's just right there in your face. I mean, to the point of mockery, I believe I'd, – I'd, I'd, I'd have to look at my notes. His name in numerology, I think, was 33. Um, the The photograph – the one photograph that circulated in the media that we had of him, which was just straight up mockery. I mean, it was just ridiculous, right? The you know, er, early on, by the way, I'm so, sorry to cut you off, but early on I had uh, gotten information, well, everyone did, uh, that he was some sort of pilot and they showed his his um, his uh, plane there. And I, in the back of my mind, I kept thinking, this guy's probably some sort of human trafficker. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Turns out that's probably the reality of this. Could have been. Yeah. Could have Possibly. very well been. Yeah. Uh, certainly an asset, uh, Patsy, right. You know, some intelligence 
connection there, um, you know, dealing whatever was convenient for them, whether it's trafficking guns or people or drugs, you know, uh, wasn't he a pilot to, you know, so he would have been the perfect, um, you know, actor, uh, to play that role. And then, you know, like I said, it was all just so, uh, brilliantly, um, you know, there was so much symbolism there. Um, and it, and it really, you know, when you look at it from just that perspective, it was really cleverly done. Um, the photograph is what I was mentioning too. It's just a, just ridiculous, absurd. We're, like we're supposed to believe the only photograph they've got of this guy is um, one in which his eyes are closed, his eyebrows are shaved off, and um, he is giving a shot. Uh, he's a shooter giving a shot with a shot glass. I mean, it was just mockery. Um, you know, uh, just so over the top sense. mockery. Right. It's a very unusual case, and um, I, I just wanted to quickly say that uh, i do thank you for reaching out to be on the program by the way yeah yeah oh god yeah i mean it's my pleasure um you know like i said i listen to your shows um and uh, i've caught jim on here you know and last week jim was on or a couple weeks ago jim was on here um you know i, I think a call i think one of your callers um, kind of upset him oh you bit, heard so. that yes yeah yeah i heard that um yeah well what do you think so, about that it was interesting to hear jim kind of uh, lose it in front of, in front of everyone here. It was, it was, it was, um, bizarre, especially since I'm so used to watching him, uh, tear people apart once they, they debate him. Yeah, yeah, you know, I was, uh, I was surprised too. Um, you know, when I heard that, and, uh, I mean, God, Jim, Jim stood up to, uh, Bill O'Reilly, right? right? On the O'Reilly factor. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's a classic, uh, YouTube classic, I think, um, to check out. Um, and it's really a wonderful demonstration of just how successful, uh, you know, the Operation Mockingbird, uh, conducted by the CIA with the, uh, takeover of the mainstream media really was because O'Reilly, um, was just simply relying on name calling. I mean, that's all he literally had. That's the only thing he could do to Jim was, was to call him names. Um, you know. Just the snide comments. Um, there was no discussion happening. So, you know, he stood up to that like a champ. And so uh, a couple weeks ago got rattled by, you know, one of your callers, right? That's um, right. I was, actually, earlier, I was hoping this fellow calls up tonight. You know, I, I hope, hope he calls in tonight. I hope he does. Yeah. It would be interesting to have him call in tonight. It would be fun. Uh, Jim, yeah. I think Jim might have just been tired or something, might not have been having a good day. Yeah, yeah, you know, just – uh uh, out of form, you know, maybe out of form, just caught him off guard there. And too, that was pretty deep into the show, you know, and he yeah. had been, uh, running, he had been running pretty hard there for a couple hours. He really was. He was, he was burning, uh, the midnight oil there. <laughs> yeah, he was on fire. So I think, uh, yeah, you know, he was just, uh, what, you know, really caught by surprise, it threw off his rhythm. Yeah, he, he uh, was just thrown off. I don't think he was, I don't think he was actually expecting that sort of thing. Of course, that was a long-time caller um, who called in here and sort of uh, tested Jim for a while, and uh, Mr. Spencer <laughs> just could not put up the fight late into the into the night here. But that's okay. Everyone has a, a off night every now and then. Yeah, yeah, and you know. Yeah, you can't uh, pitch a no hitter every night. Right. Yeah, and, and two, you know, that doesn't discount. The entire, uh, you know, appearance. Oh, not right? at all. Not uh, at all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We got a good, you got a good quality, you know, 90 plus minutes there, uh, of just full on, 
uh, sets are the most remi- dangerous it, mind in America. It reminded me of an old 90s Howard Stern interview. Just some some oh. uh, random caller just coming in there and uh, raising a little hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that's one of the things with um you know I think of when I think about Howard Stern's program and now I look back at radio with this nostalgia. I don't know if you know if you do that. Oh, um, of course, man. That I right, I, I right. grew up yeah. listening to radio. So I'm, I've been obsessed since I was a, a young boy. That's how I was able to sleep at night. Okay. Yeah, um if you don't mind uh, to catch me up to speed and uh, and your listeners here, um, spend a few minutes to tell you tell uh, uh, tell us about um, your you know these uh, romantic um, memories you have of radio and oh talk my. radio. The earliest yeah. the earliest moments is with of course a little show called Loveline that was popular with Dr. Drew and Adam Carolla back in yeah the, yeah in the, yeah in the early nineties and. Um, yeah, definitely. That's what got me hooked, man. Just, just the calls, the interactions with people, and and listening to uh, real people calling in with with things they really care about, and not not this sort of contrived sort of narrative that we hear that only affects a certain amount of uh, of the demographic out there in in, in America. Um, and what we're going to get into a lot of this sort of uh, thing uh, in a few uh, minutes here, but. Um, it's kind of the reality of, of everything that we're going to talk about here tonight. We're going to put everything together um, before we bring it home. All of this will make sense. But, yeah, um, early on, my friend, I was obsessed with radio, and it was a way for me to uh, simply sleep at night. Um, my mind was constantly racing with ideas and um, what if this would happen or what if that would happen? Just all sorts of weird scenarios I would come up with in my mind. And <laughs> definitely not something normal for a kid that age to experience. Mm-hmm. So, but you, so you would find that the, the radio then would provide this kind of calming effect? Oh, of course, yes. It would, it would calm yeah. me and, and set me right. And I'd have some sort of weird, a creative focus every time I would listen to various radio shows out there. And, and, um, a part of that, I think helped me grow as a person. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. Because, you know, we're talking about communication, uh, you know, in a broad, in, in a more broad sense. Um, it, it's, it's a way to, um, interact, listen. Um, and I find that's something that gets overlooked or underappreciated. In talk radio, right? The, the, the focus is on talk. Right. It's talk radio, right? But, you know, the, what's, what works, you know, the, what dances with talk radio is listening and the pauses, you know, when, knowing when to speak and not to speak, knowing, you know, the ebb and flow. Um, and, and you need oh, the yes. pauses, oh, right? <laughs> that, that's something you can teach, by the way. You're saying you can or can't. Not. You can't teach that. You, you have to sort of, um, yes. You sort of have to yeah. throw yourself in there and kind of get the feel to know when to do certain things and how, well, basically how to steer the bus. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, direct. Yeah. You know, someone's driving um, and directing the show. No, um, but yeah, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, communication um, and it's a, a technology to communicate radio. Right. You know, so radio is our first real mass media uh, form where these frequencies start to enter into our house, you know, into your bedroom window, you know, at night. That was always, see, that that's part of the romance to me 
about talk radio is the nighttime, you know, and being dark. Oh, yes. And there were, a, you know, and there's AM stations, right? The 50,000 watt AM stations that, you know, could literally cover most of the U.S. and, you know, parts of Canada, you know, uh, in the evenings. Then they would have these trucker shows, right? And you'd have truck drivers and then trucker music and then, you know, a DJ and, um, and it was all real, you know, um, and just wonderful, you know, um, and, and, and I like the idea of like, this can only happen at night. Um, and, but for me, in short, what led me into radio, my love affair with radio was baseball, uh, you know, baseball at night on the radio, even, you know, in the background. I love the role that, uh, base radio, uh, baseball on the radio provides this nice kind of calming, uh, background. Um, <clears throat> no, I'm with you on yeah. that one. I'm with yeah, you on yeah. that one. Yes. Baseball, um, great sport. And of course, uh, amazing to listen to on AM radios uh, everywhere. Yeah, right. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. I just so, prefer to listen to a ball game on the radio. Yeah. I mean, I just, to me, that's part of, um, you know, I mean, that's so etched into my memory. Um, and so from there, what happened is I would, you know, I'd listen to the baseball game as a kid. I'd leave it on and then, you know, maybe forget about it. It keeps playing and then it would go into some other program, which might be like uh, sports talk, you know, maybe something talking about the baseball game. And so then I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I want to listen to this. You know, so then you're hearing, you know, opinions from other fans. And so the whole sports talk, uh, you know, which is a whole, you know, huge genre of talk radio, of course. And so then there was a time when then I let that play through. And then there was some other late night talk show on and it seemed like it was pretty crazy, you know, uh, and it was uh, a person like Bill Cunningham, who I was fortunate to hear on 700 WLW, which is a 50,000 watt station out of Cincinnati. Yeah, that's another, know, that cover, th- that's yeah, another that, personality that, I haven't heard of in a while. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I heard him, uh, you know, if anyone knows Bill Cunningham now, he has an AM uh, you know, current events news program from, I think, noon to two. So it's very much part of like the, the daytime, you know, early afternoon talk radio, uh, time slot, right? You know, so we're saying noon to two. So imagine him there. Um, I heard him in the, his very beginning when, uh, he was on from nine to midnight and really had no producer, no plans, no schedule, just really would just come in there flying. You know, and making it up. Oh, I like um, that. Yeah, yeah. He was in, <laughs> and, doing some uh, improv work. It, yeah, yeah. So I remember just kind of uh, falling into that show um, at night one time, and it's like, whoa, this is fun. It kind of had like this pro wrestling element to it, you know, which appealed to me as a you know a teenager. Of course, um, of course. Yeah, yeah. You know, because at yeah you know, at that time it was like. Yeah, you know, nothing is better. Did you grow up into pro wrestling? Of um, course, I grew. You know, I, I was yeah. born in the '80s, so yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, cool. So me too. So you know, and it's funny now as an adult, I look at how valuable, how thankful I am for my pro wrestling experience because it's too. really because it, it's really the template for you know everything that we see through the media. Um, I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that. This idea of lifetime actors, you know. Yeah, because, um, you know, we understand, uh, well, you know, you know this term, a gimmick. You you know that right away, as soon as I say it, it doesn't have to even, 
sit there and marinate in your mind. As, as soon as uh, as soon as that word left my mouth, you already knew what I was talking about. Yeah, yeah. Actually, gimmick is in my everyday uh, real uh, quote unquote life. Well, see, this is uh, what gimmick, this is what I'm talking. Gimmick talk- is one of the words that I use. Uh, I'm sorry. Just let me yeah, say, uh, go gimmick ahead, go is ahead. one of the most useful adjectives, one mm-hmm. of the most useful words uh, that I say. Yeah, I mean, I can apply it, you know, to almost everything. <laughs> I like that. And, and yeah, and see, a part of me, when I look into the political spectrum, I kind of see that in a way. I kind of view the, the left and the right and everyone else as almost like they're, they're, they're living up the gimmick. They're putting yeah, on that exactly. gimmick. Yeah. yeah. And then what, mm-hmm. what better person than to have as your president than a W, W-E Hall of Famer? Donald Trump. Jesus Christ, right? Amazing. I mean, he worked. He, Can he you believe worked, it? Uh, I, WrestleMania. I'm still stunned. I can't even believe he's the president. And I'm, I don't hate yeah. him. I'm not anti-Trump. I'm, I'm kind of just anti-president of, of all all presidents, really. <laughs> I'm kind of a radical, slightly. I, I try to keep it, you know, try to yeah, keep it a little conservative. But um, underneath it all, you know, I was kind of influenced by Michael Parenti. He's kind of bad, you know, a little bit. Uh-huh. So, yeah. you know, I was influenced by a lot of radical personalities early on in high school. And a matter yeah. of fact, I got in trouble uh, the morning of 9-11 and, and the afternoon. But that's, that's a whole nother thing. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> going on. <laughs> so, you know, I've been kind of someone who raises questions at the wrong time. Yes. That's yeah. kind and, of my I gimmick. Find, I find that that's a quality um, for people that are interested uh, in talking about and, you know, uh, looking into these kinds of conspiracy, you know, so-called conspiracies. Because right. I, I, I share that, too. You know, and here we're seeing what, what's int- one of the things that's interesting to me about this um, discussion is I'm learning uh, things that I have in common with you, someone whom I've never met before. Um, and you can see, you know, it's some of these same things that are Drawing us together is the reason why we're speaking here tonight. I mean, is the truth, you know, which is really an incredible thing. I mean, it's great. Um, and yeah, you know, we both have that pro wrestling background. Um, you know, you, you love the, um, you know, there's this romance and magic that's associated to, you know, uh, AM radio and, and talk radio. Um, and, um, so we, you see how it's, you know, all connected. And then our president now is a, is a pro wrestling hall of famer. You That's know, very Donald true. Trump. That's I mean, he's in the Hall of Fame. Um, and I think now that it should be a requirement that every U.S. president, it should be required that they have uh, worked in the WWE and have been a Hall of Famer. You know, let's just, you know, maybe we can get, um, you know. Uh, I wouldn't argue with that. That's hilarious. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, in fact, uh, who's another? There's another big guy um, in that company that's running um, for, I think, the uh, the Congress seat, and I want to say in Tennessee, uh, Kane. Oh, actually, you know, Kane, he's actually a very smart guy. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's like, brilliant. to me, Kane, to me, Kane would make a kick-ass president, right? I he mean, just like would. the idea of the character, you know, if we're thinking about it as a work, right? That, see, there's so much of this wrestling, uh, jargon in the wrestling business that applies to, to this other form of show business, you know, is um, that I said the term work, you know, it's a work. Yeah. And I was going to uh, bring up Michael Cohen and ask you if you believe that he did a, uh, a, a double cross on Trump. 
Yes. <laughs> you think we so? We got a double cross. <laughs> he double crossed him. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, I mean, that's what it looks like. It kind of um, does. It kind of does. Yeah. And what a storyline too, you know, uh, that's very Vince McMahon. This whole goddamn uh, thing is a crazy storyline. It, it really is. I, I mean, mean, I mean, back in 2006, I was saying that this was going to be a circus and we had front row seats to it. Yeah, you know, I think um uh as far as the Q conspiracy goes, you know, the Q anon. I have to be honest with you. I have to be honest with you, uh, Dan. I haven't really looked too far down the rabbit hole with with that whole Q thing. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't I, know if it's real or not. Yeah, and um, um, I I I I would call myself a casual follower. Um. I've heard very compelling evidence uh, that it is, in fact, uh, a psyop, most likely an Israeli psyop. At least that's what it became, um, you know, this year, uh, since, you know, since last winter on. Um, I, I heard that it came out of uh, the Cicada group and then was um, then taken over, you know, uh, and it's been co-opted uh, since. Um, that's what it's that's what it appears to be. Um, but my point with Q is one of the, you know, the, the terms that get, that's been, gets re- repeated that Q has said is enjoy the show, you know, sit back, enjoy the show, enjoy the show. This is one of these mantras from Q. And uh-huh. I think that might be the most relevant, uh, p- piece of information from Q is, you know, enjoy the show. I mean, again, it's like right there in your face saying show. Let's say it's whether it is an official Trump endorsed psyop or, you know, some rogue psyop. Um, the point is they're calling it a show. Yeah. Sometimes um, I don't even think certain presidents will, most presidents, I believe, don't really, um, wield the type of power they really have. I feel like, sure, I kind of yeah. feel like they're controlled by a shadow oh, government. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think it kind of is kind of like a pageant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it it's a role, you know. It's a character. Um, so you know, I think um the term the term lifetime actor is one that I picked up from Joe Atwell, who um if you haven't had him on your program would be a wonderful guest. He's yeah, written cool. uh, Caesar's Messiah. Um, it was his you know most well known work. Uh, he's done a lot of writing about social engineering, uh, the counterculture movement, uh, the Beatles, Woodstock. Uh, Tavistock Institute, all, all of that, Laurel Canyon, you know, that whole, which I'm very, very interested in all of that. Yeah, that's some good stuff. That. By the way, I, I, yeah. just, I just wanted to quickly say, I know you're incredibly outspoken and you don't yeah. really beat around the proverbial bush at times. And I'm curious to know yeah. what, what was the catalyst for you, my friend? What exactly drew you into this sort of realm of, um, conspiracy and, and conspiracy fact? You know, I could name so many different yeah. conspiracies yeah. that turned out to be true um, that will make everyone's head spin. But, you know, I like yeah. to play it down. I don't really like to jump too far into certain things because then people will think you're nuts. Yeah, it's true. I mean, that's, um, you know, one of the unfortunate byproducts of simply, you know, saying the truth um, and searching the truth. Is it, it really is the most dangerous thing you can say is the truth. Um, and it is, um, you know, certainly the, typically it's the longest journey that, you know, a researcher takes, um, to, to find the truth because, um, 
and this is something I've talked to on Jim's program about a lot in the past is I, you know, I see that, um, the world as it's presented to us as filtered through, you know, the Zionist mockingbird media is in fact an inversion. You know, it's, it's, it's upside down. Uh, it's an inversion of reality. And, and, you know, so many times I'll test this and I'll find that's proven true where, you know, the Patriot Act, for example, it, well, it's the opposite of patriotic. The Patriot Act, you know, uh, took away your your rights. Uh, you know, uh, the Affordable Health Care Act. So, you know, I always I see these inversions over and over again. Um, but and you know, so that's something I'm really uh, interested in, and I feel like you know that's what we're up against. You know, that's how severe it is. Like we're presented with these inversions. But what got me into talking about these things is the thing I think, uh, you know, in the end might be the, the real story behind the staged 911 event. Uh, you know, what if, what if the storyline with that in the end becomes it was the event that, you know, woke up, so to speak, you know, more people than anything else. Yeah. That was and, the tipping point. Right. You know, so, so me, you know, I'm no different. It was, I mean, when it happened, um, I really didn't look at it. Uh, it just seemed, you know, just too shocking. So, and, and you know, and at the time I didn't really think about, you know, I, I, I certainly wasn't awake. Um, so years later, I came back to that, you know, through YouTube and looking and, and I remember when uh, it, when it, you know, when I realized, I remember that moment where I was like, wait a minute, this is all a lot. Like it, it hit me, you know, um, and so that was the thing for me. That was the moment where I was like, um, you know, this is all a lie. And I went through all of those stages that people do, you know, your denial, anger, you know, uh, the whole, the whole thing. And, um, and, but I really got such a taste, you know, an insatiable taste for the truth then. And so I started examining, going back and examining events. Um, and then following current events. So yeah, so 911 w- was the one that started it for me. And then as, as far as the, you know, events that are hoaxes that are just completely fake, right? They're movies. Uh, it was Jim Fetzer's book when I, I remember coming across his book doing research, uh, nobody died at Sandy Hook. I mm. remember just seeing that sentence, you know, right. written. On the screen. And I thought, whoa, I mean, wow. I mean, that was such a strong, it was such a bold statement. I mean, it just kind of leapt out at the screen, you know, and nobody died, right? And I, and so that was really the one that then I would say, uh, you know, helped to raise my awareness to another level of looking at things from this hoax perspective. You know, not just simply, hey, I'm being lied to. This isn't the person who did it, but hey, this whole goddamn thing's fake. <laughs> All of it. You know, that was when I was like, wow, this is a whole nother level of just nefarious, um, evil. I mean, it's just the essence of evil to me. If you think about this idea of perpetrating these hoax events on the American people, you know, uh, because of course it's going for the shock factor. Uh, just flat out scaring people, traumatizing people, you know, guns, shooting, death, killing. Um, and, and, but then you've got to bury them and then you've got to pay for it and donate it. And then they make millions of dollars and these, and they just become like these traveling, you know, um, 
shooting terror circuses, you know, that just travel around the city, stopping in whatever, you know, kind of uh, uh, communist controlled uh, police department will welcome them into town, like Parkland, for example. Um, you know, oh, yeah, sure. Come on in with your fake shooting. Yeah, bring them all in. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, OK, we can get your trailer over there. Yeah, you got your hair, your makeup, you know, your pyrotechnics. That's literally what that's literally what it is. I mean, if you, if you work in television, and I, I've worked in uh, television uh, before, um, from what I see and from what I've studied, I haven't, you know, been to one. Um, they're, they're hiring, from what I understand, but um, that's how these um, these drills, you know, and then they're passed off as drills operate. I mean, they literally are. You do have, you know, these various roles of directors. Yeah, you, you mentioned uh, TV. You mentioned TV, which is basically the first most powerful form of uh, brainwashing our society has been introduced to since the beginning. I, I say that all the time here on this show. Yeah, no doubt. I, yeah, no firmly, doubt. I firmly believe that. I mean, some, so do I. for some people, I mean, the whole political thing has almost become a new religion for some folks out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and God, we I don't think we can uh, overstate the uh, profound profound effect that television which tell a lie vision uh programming you know uh, you have all of this wonderful neuro linguistic programming how right many people there how many people face. actually how many people actually became cops because of the tv show chips <laughs> you'd be stunned it, it, tv is an insanely powerful tool yeah it's like hey i need a mustache and i need uh you know uh one of those dirty hairy uh revolvers i'm telling you that's, and I need a, and I need a Trans Am and a Trans Am, you know, and, and I'm not going to swim at the beach anymore because a shark might like eat me up, you know. You know, but I uh, have, I have to backtrack, <laughs> yeah, but I have to backtrack just a little bit and say, but we have evolved tremendously since the '80s, of course, thanks to the internet and all sorts of great creations out there that uh, most of the hive mind doesn't become victim to that sort of narrative. Uh, anymore. Yeah, and, and that that that's interest, uh, you know, and we're living in this um this time in history um which hasn't been written yet for the internet in that respect. It's a different um, time now, yeah. You know, right, you know, th- this is exciting to me. Like, you know, what we're doing now here, this is a, you know, relatively new thing because of the the internet, the web and um, you know, which are tools um like the television was. Um so the the internet of course has a, a potentially farther reach so you could say well okay we can run more psyops now right we can put more dis- disinformation out in the world we have more platforms to do it and i think that's true you know there is no doubt more uh you know disinfo than ever before but we have more tools to you know to distribute disinformation than we've ever had before and I think what we're seeing from all the censorship is there is a real concern uh, with people using this in ways in which it's beneficial to them that, you know, perhaps they didn't have in mind back in, you know, the early 70s when DARPA was, uh, you know, creating the Internet as a military intelligence tool. Right. And then you get CERN, of course, to give us the web in – what 1994 i believe early 90s is when the web was launched and um then it you i guess you would say then it's kind of hits 50 percent of the households 
um, in the uh, 2000s, I guess, about the mid, probably 2005 or so, turn of the millennium. So, you know, so, so we're talking about something that we're about, what, a decade into it, the internet and the web being this, you know, wild west, wide open, you know, American tool, right? How long, how long is this, uh, you know, rodeo going to go? That's right. This, how long will you, it you last? Know, I mean, seriously, like, it, this is the way things work. If it becomes a problem, then it gets taken care of. You know, if that, that's what happens to so many, you know, social engineering, so many of these uh, psyops come out of just that, like something that begins, you know, organic and with good intentions, but then it gets co-opted, right? It just gets, it simply gets co-opted and, um, you know, uh, and just ruined and, you know, um, and, and, that, and that's what we see. So, uh, but the censorship though really is alarming. Oh yes. It's uh, amazing. Really? Yeah. I mean, it, it's crazy thinking about, um, this has all just happened in the last year. I mean, I remember what a year and a half ago, uh, watching YouTube before the censor. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's when this has taken place over the last year when it's really, really fundamentally changed. It really has. It really has. Um, politics has come to a surprising meteoric rise in popularity, uh, storming the nation with all sorts of news. Uh, no pun intention for those Stormy Daniels fans out there. But, yeah, yeah. It, it's been entertaining, to say the least. And I know we mentioned Fox News earlier, and I just wanted yeah. to bring this up so I don't forget. But there was a new article up, uh, about Kimberly uh, Guilfoyle that she left new, uh, Fox News after allegations of misconduct. I'm not quite sure if you're familiar with that. No, I have not seen that story. Oh, uh -huh. my. Yeah, she's leaving Fox News. Uh, apparently uh, she's gonna, apparently she's gonna be going on with uh, Donald Trump Jr. uh, during his campaign. <laughs> That's what it seems like what's happening here. But apparently, yeah. apparently there's more to the story according to the Huffington Post. I'm sure there is. <laughs> apparently, well check this out. Apparently the exit was allegedly prompted by an investigation into sexual misconduct, uh, claims made against her. Uh, apparently she was showing her coworkers, uh, male genitalia. Uh, I guess she was showing, showing, uh, different coworkers her, um, sexting photos. Uh, from different <laughs> men, basically, and, uh, pretty shocking stuff, really. Well, you know, I think that's, I, that's how Fox likes their female journalists. I think uh, so, too. Know, right, right, aren't they, 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 they're the most scantily clad, I think, of a whole lot. I'm know? not it's judging kind of her, like, by the way. I'm not, it's I'm kind not of like Baywatch. Her. It's like a little bit of Baywatch, you know, when you're getting your, uh, fake Fox News. They just have this really strange reputation over there for some reason. I remember Roger Ailes said something pretty, pretty bad about Guilfoyle in the past. I think he I said mean, I would not be surprised. I think he said she, that she was easy or something along those lines. It's pretty outrageous. But now but yeah. now I know who she was um now I know who Eric Bowling was texting rather. And he's gone. Yeah. Now we know who it was. Remember politics before we had text messages? Totally. I know, <laughs> right? I mean, all of this has really ruined everything. It's ruined relationships. Right. I mean, it's ruined it, politics. It's it's going to ruin everything. I mean, it was just so much easier, you know, in the past to be a corrupt politician. Uh, there wasn't as <laughs> many of these pesky tools to catch you or get you in trouble, you know. 
like, you know, Father Bush, for example, it's really good that he didn't have an iPhone. You know, because oh think about God. it. Yeah. If you're a, you know, a Satanist, a, a pedophile, you know, a reptile, right? Um, you know, and you've got an iPhone, like, you know, you might take some selfies. You might do something, you know, that eventually you regret that gets you into trouble. Seriously. And by, <laughs> and by today's standards, everyone has uh, done something wrong, committed some sort of Me Too type crisis movement. Um, I, by today's standards, you know what I mean? We, I, we've all probably done something that would be labeled as sexual harassment by today's standards. Yeah, what what is it? Uh, there's a euphemism for that. Uh, your your digital trail or seriously? I mean, yeah, yeah. my I goodness, mean, it's, it's it's really unfair. I mean, it really is unfair. I think. Well, yeah, you to, tweet one thing and you piss someone off. They're gonna call up your job and get you fired. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you wow. know, I, I don't. You know, people with the internet here, you know, it gives people so many more options uh, to communicate. That's again what we're you know what we're talking about, right? Um, but to a, but to uh, communicate inappropriately, you know, or at inappropriate times, or um, you know, in an inappropriate setting, uh, <laughs> right. and you know th- that. So the, the story with um, you know the sexting um, that you know has been uh, pushed right through the mainstream you know narrative, and, and you know, and that's something that. Um, to me is interesting now when I just follow the news, the mainstream news is they're telling you, right? We're go- going back to that wrestling um, analogy. They're telling you the storyline, you know, right. enough to keep, to, enough to keep the storyline moving. Just yeah, like every Saturday. Yeah. Right. Just like every Saturday, your wrestlers would tell you their storyline, you know, Oh, I'm mad at him. You know, I'm going to beat him up uh, next Friday night in Cleveland, you know, yeah, those um, good by the way. Yeah, right. Those house shows on like a Thursday night. Um, can't beat those. Um, you really can't. And so, you know, so, so the mainstream, so, so my point is they're putting that out there. They want us to know, hey, love, you know, texting, sexting, lovers. And, and two, there's this enormous, um, number of text messages, right? That's like thousands of them, you know, and then that's something I don't understand. It's like who, yeah, I mean, who has time, right? If, to, to send all of these text messages. Uh, uh, Michael Weiner had time. <laughs> that's right. That's another one who made me time. think that. It's just, you know, he's like some 12 year old girl, like, you know, who just got an iPhone for, you know, her birthday. I know, right? And, he, he was kind of like know, a, he was kind of like a woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, so it's been a game changer, right? You know, now, now it's like all of our stories, our storylines and politics, our texts and tweets, right? I mean, what's Trump doing? Yeah, this is you the, know, he, this is the he, uh, digital age. Yeah, you know, we've got Trump, right? Our pro wrestler, our Hall of Famer, as our president. You know, uh, you know, he's he's worked every house show, uh, every WrestleMania. He's 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 worked all those gimmicks. That's right. Um, and now and now he's bringing down the hammer every day with those texts, right? Those tweets, and some of those tweets are all caps, and sometimes words are misspelled. And sometimes he's retweeting a video or a picture. It's all it's know. all inter- it's all entertaining to me. Some people get really riled riled up about it, but I think it's I think it's hilarious. So do I, and I think uh, Trump is the uh, ultimate troll. You know, he's just he's he's a brilliant troll. Yeah, that's what Paul know? Ryan referred to him as. Yeah, I mean, he really is. Paul and, Ryan and too, has a Paul Ryan has a very punchable face for some reason too. 
Yeah, and Paul Ryan's, you know, much more than a troll. Um, <laughs> yeah, <yes>. but, uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, th- that's what I see, you know, going back to this idea of enjoy the show. That's part of the Trump presidency is being able to enjoy the show. And I'll, and I'll admit there's a learning curve there, but this guy, he knows kayfabe. He knows the psychology I, of working I, in I a squared was, circle. I was just going to say that because, um, during his whole, anytime he's behind the camera, he goes right into that authoritarian mode. And yeah. He's right. Really, he's really working it. You could just tell. That, that, that's probably part of his, uh, you know, no, that, method that's, acting. Character. That's the psychological aspect of it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he knows that um, as well as anyone. And two, let's not forget, he was a king Internet troll before he was president. I mean, he was getting on Twitter every day and calling out Obama, you know, and calling out uh, whomever was deserving of it, you know, from his viewpoint. So he had had a lot of practice. Um, he was there for the whole uh, Internet web ride in the, you know, mid-90s till current. So, you know, really he's someone who has bridged that that gap between those generations of the analog world and the digital world. You know, at least his team, I'm not saying he's the one sitting there, you know, with his thumbs, you know, punching this stuff in. I know, right? But, but his team certainly, you know, uh, has him connected with these digital tools. And, and, you know, you look at what a brilliant troll he was. And, and I'm saying troll, you know, I'm not saying this in a, you know, just this negative kind of snide way. Um, you know, he's well versed. Um, and when you're trolling a troll, for example, I mean, that's some quality show there. That's some really good entertainment. And, uh, that's what we're seeing Trump doing in a lot of cases is, is trolling a lot of these criminals and trolling other, other trolls. You know, if he's trolling Rachel Maddow, you're like, okay, yeah, you know. I'll actually watch. I think she actually, actually take I, a look at this. I think she actually had a radio show before she made that transition into uh, television. Probably. I think yeah. so. Yeah, but her radio show wasn't so hot. I think. Interesting how that happens. Um, yeah. But with all yeah. the information online about different conspiracy theories and so forth, it's very hard to uh, discern fact from fiction, and we see this in the news today. It's um, the way it goes, but. Um, I, I, yeah. I did have a few Hyper. other, right. I did have yeah. a few other things to get into, but, um, just to finish off with, uh, the Trump administration, um, I quickly make the joke that the administration is kind of like a major league baseball team where they have more changeups than a major league, a team. It's quite insane. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there, there's, they're moving parts, you know, um, it's it's just constantly these moving parts, um, and um, it's a tough game. Yeah, so don't don't, yeah, don't, get gonna, yeah, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong for those out there who are first time listeners. I don't mean to uh, punch punch up with, with the with the president here, but um, I'm just seeing it from the outside, and it's just it's so unusual to watch because we've never had a president like this. Not at all. Not it's insane. at all. And, and that's what, yeah, that's what I was saying. The, um, the last world president we probably had was JFK, and look what happened to him. Right. Yeah. No doubt. Um, yeah. No doubt about it. Um, and of course, you know, um, and and two, you know, like like we've been saying over and over, and to have this pro wrestler, you know, in this um, role, um, you know, what a show. And, right. and 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 you know, there and there is. Uh, 
and Trump is a, is tough, uh, is a tough learn for people. You know, he ha he's such a polarizing just kind of figure visually, you know, um, and, and tends to get a strong reaction out of people. Um, and I know a lot of his, you know, so-called supporters, you know, getting frustrating. Oh, why hasn't he done this yet or that yet? And, you know, and people are impatient. Um, and I was like that. My point was I was like that in the beginning. You know, I was someone who, you know, the day of the inauguration was like, okay, you know, everybody's going to jail now, you know. Um, but of course, you know, that's just not realistic. That's not how. <laughs> yeah. People were sold uh, a dream. That's what I right, like to right. refer to as, 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 um, people get sold a, a dream of, of sorts and never comes to fruition, sadly. Yeah. You know, it's, it's part of that whole psyop of, um, of, you know, supermen and superheroes and having, you know, uh, us, you know, look to others, right, to save us, you know, to save ourselves. Um, so that's how these figures are per- portrayed. Like, you know, oh, I vote for Trump and he's going to, you know, make everything for my life, you know, all better. Um, you know, that's the fallacy, but that's the, the myth that's put out there. Um, <clears throat> I agree. And, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. Um, and, and, you know, and, and so Trump, you know, of course fulfills that role for, for many people. Um, but I've seen those people get frustrated by things that, that he's done or said. And they, and, and the re, and the reason is, and this is my point, they don't see the psychology behind it. Um, and, and this is in a general sense how I see Trump now. He's somebody that doesn't show his hand, right? That, he's a wheeler and a he's yeah. a wheeler and a dealer, right? That's and the psychological He's never going to show his hand. He's never going to tell you he wants to buy it or how much he's going to pay for it or that he's you know breaking the lease. He's never going to show his hand. And in fact, what he's doing is he's trolling the mainstream media. Right. Yeah, he's he's specifically putting out uh, disinfo to to have the media go down these rabbit holes. And then every time he comes out and he says, yep, I was right. See, I told you. And he's, and he's done this over and over again. And it took me, you know, a cycle or so of that to, to pick up on that, um, myself, you know, in, in following his presidency. Uh, I remember the first, um, you know, fireworks show of kind of fake bombing in Syria where I was upset. You know, I got emotionally suckered into that. But then I, that was when I really started to realize the kind of the brilliance behind these moves that he was making, um, the, these deals essentially. Hey, you want some bombs? Okay, I'll give you some fake bombs. You know, um, and then you know, and so then the second time this year with the Friday night fireworks show in Syria, um, I totally got it. I was on board the whole time. I was like, oh, this is great. And I saw like everybody, you know, left right taking this bait of, oh, you know, Syria, they're they're not gassing the people, and uh, you know, and 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 so, um, and, and I think. This is a strength of, of Trump, right? He, he's a dealer. Uh, he knows how to wheel and deal. And especially coming after, you know, eight years of Obama, which, um, was the opposite. He had no dealing skills at all. I mean, he was, you know, uh, objectively our worst president, uh, in terms of working with the other part, uh, uh, the other party. He would not play nice and even pretend to make deals with the Republicans in Congress for eight years, which is why you know, he didn't achieve any, anything. Um, even the healthcare, you know, scam was, uh, you know, needed blackmailing to even get that through. So, uh, you know, Obama just was the kind of guy where 
Um, if he didn't play his way, he'd get his ball and he'd go home. Um, Trump is the absolute off. I mean, Trump is the guy, you know, who's worked the used car sales lot for, you know, decades. Um, and is, and knows how to wheel and deal. So that's part of, I think, the learning, you know, the part of understanding Trump and, and watching and enjoying the show. Yeah, it's been a, an amazing run, I have to say. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no matter what you think of the guy, it's been kind of a tremendous run. It really has. I mean, you know, for I, better I still or worse. have mo- moments where I'm like, wow, this is happening. Like, this really happened, you know. Um and I think, you know, that that's another role, you know, or that's another legacy um, that we could look back on, you know, 10 years from now or so in the future and say, wow, you know, Trump's presidency uh, did a lot in the way of waking people up. You know, and that's one of these pro arguments you'll hear for QAnon is people will say, well, even if it's, you know, PSYOP, if people are waking up, you know, I'm not saying I agree with that. I hear that justification a lot. But, you know, even that's what the QAnon uh, phenomenon has been about is this awareness. Um, and I know for a lot of us that are well-versed in this and are a bit jaded, it's easy to say, oh, well, yeah, you know, we know about the Vatican. We know about this conspiracy and that. And, you know, and QAnon has been throwing things like that out there. But we've, you know, I, you know, you got to remember that um, uh, the majority are, you know, firmly asleep, you know, deep in deep sleep. So, um that that's an interesting thing. You know, if you step back and you, you look at Trump, uh, the presidency, the campaign was a lot. I mean, he's really kind of a conspiracy theorist's president. He really is. I mean, he even he even talks like a a so-called conspiracy theorist a lot. You know, he's the one uh, calling out the Russian hacking meme. You know, for the hoax that it is. Um, so he, he's really the the conspiracy theorist, really first president. Um, and, and he was a conspiracy theorist before, you know, long before he was president. And this is something that blows me away is remembering the fact that, 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 uh, Donald Trump was the first public figure on 9-11 in 2001 to come out and question the official narrative on television, you know, and this guy's president now. I mean, to me, that is amazing. It really is. Um, and, you know, if anyone out there hasn't seen that clip, um, check it out. I mean, it's incredible. It's the day of 911. Yeah, I recall that. Smoke. Yeah, you know, the things that's smoking in the background, he's outside and like, yeah, I, this doesn't make any sense. And I, I know the architects that did this building. I mean, you know, he's rattling off the stacks, of, you know, the statistics of how it's built to sustain this. This just doesn't make sense. I mean, I mean, right there, like uh, that moment. Um, and this guy's president, um, you know, this is one of the big storylines that um, could blow the whole thing wide open. You know, if 911 could be exposed for the lie that it is, I mean, think about the impact that that could have, you know, and you have a president that that's known that from day one. Um, it'd be interesting even to see what kind of, you know, pre-knowledge or. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought up 9-11. Um, yeah. It's always it's always something that's on my mind, especially when I see the former mayor of the United States, uh, Rudy Giuliani, on television claiming someone's a yeah. liar. I just I just couldn't help but laugh. Uh, he has yeah. he has no no ground to call anyone a, a liar. Yeah, that's another ridiculous, just fascinating. 
Yeah, how yeah, that's he, another fascinating element. How can of, he of call his anyone? Presidency. How can he call anyone a liar? Right, I mean, well, you're, <laughs> you know, that, isn't that the definition of hypocrite? Amazing. Right? Yeah, I mean, it is. Uh, that's another just wild um, twist to the storyline of, you know, Rudiani, uh, you know, jumping on board on this Trump team. You know, he was tossed out there and, you know, touted, um, you know, early on as, as making part of his cabinet. Um, but now he comes on the scene. Um, how could have Giuliani not had prior knowledge about 911? Uh, or, or how could he not? What he has had access to information wise, you know, since the event occurred to now in his position. I mean, how could he not know, you know, um, again, that's like saying Hillary didn't know about, <laughs> uh, Anthony Weiner's involvement with underage girls. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's the definition. I mean, I don't know. Of, I mean, I don't know if that's, that's a fact or not, but I didn't have to be on the Titanic to know that it sunk. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the definition of a hypocrite. No, oh, no doubt, uh, no doubt. Amazing stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this was something I was looking at, um, and I, you know, I think ties into what we're talking about. Um, and, you know, and, and the idea of enjoying the show, you know, that we're being presented with now, um, is this, uh, technique, social engineering of, um, um, Hyper normalization. It's a mind war. Yeah, it's a hy- hyper normalization is a term, uh, is utilized, um, in Russia, um, to, uh, put over, you know, there's a wrestling term to put over, uh, Putin with the, uh, Russian people. And they hired, um, this fella who, who had worked in theater. That was his background in theater, you know, in, in, you know, like the movie business. And they brought him on their political team, and they have engaged in what now is referred to as hyper-normalization. And they would just pump – the idea simply is you're, you're just pumping out so many narratives that out there that are at odds with each other that simply people don't know if they're coming or going. You know, you're, you're, you just put out so much disinfo right, that, right. It's, that it becomes increasingly difficult to sort out right reality you know fact from fiction as presented through the media right i mean and and they have that power i mean we know that where they can just literally um affect the perception of you know the masses uh, through this tool and so hyper normalization you know that's something to look into as no, a form of social no, engineering right no doubt no doubt and yeah. Another thing. You know, it, go, go ahead. ahead sorry. Go ahead. Oh, okay. I'll take over one second here. I just wanted to quickly add on to what you were saying that yeah, there's something called, if anyone can remember, the FBI COINTELPRO back in 56 mm. to 71, where their job basically was to disrupt domestic and political organizations. Um, this was something that's, that was going on and the FBI, anyone they deemed subversive, um, this covers the left and the right, uh, MLK to the KKK. Um, the question is whether or not this sort of thing still is around today. And I think we see shades of that in the current era, Dan. Yes, I agree with you. Um, I think Black Lives Matters, uh, Antifa, you know, both of those organizations are just, I mean, it's straight from the, the COINTELPRO handbook, you know, from the sixties, um, you know, CIA, 
um, staged counterculture revolution? I think so, man. I, I think it's kind of smoke and mirrors. We're being sold P.T. Barnum, and we're just eating that shit up. Yeah, I mean, all of that's fake. I mean, we've got video footage of Black Lives Matters members and Antifa, both groups, on the same tour bus, you know, rolling into, um, you know, Seattle or Berkeley or, or where, wherever it is. I mean, I, I've seen these video, you know, video footage of these groups, uh, being bussed in, you know, and, and they're on the same bus. Th- this can't be. Uh, organic. Exactly. Um, <laughs> it, it seems definitely contrived. Um, definitely. I, I know, I recall now what you're talking about. I saw that article too and I, I was blown away. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and both groups on the same bus, um, you know, all of these color, these Soros color revolutions, um, this is nothing new. Um, and that's another theme to me and part of, you know, ready for one to raise their awareness to, to see through, um, these lies is learning the playbooks, you know, learning these tech, tech, uh, techniques and these tactics, these psychological tactics. Um, and you'll see that like anything, um, if it works, then it gets used again and again and again. You know, if it's not broken, don't fix it. So, you know, and people are people. So, the point is they, they're pros. They, they know what works. You know, they know what buttons to push. Um, and, uh, that, and that's what we see, you know, over and over and over again. Um, you know, this Jonestown article that I published at Jim's, uh, blog at his website, um, that was one of the exercises for me was revisiting this event, um, and then observing the playbook. And it was really just shocking how I was just like, wow, this is the same, this is the same thing over again. You know, this is the 1970, 79, you know, 70s version of this. Um, but, right. you know, I saw so, so many of the same characteristics there. Um, and this is, you know, so, so, right. So, so imagine this environment we're in, you know, the show that we're given and I saw this uh, story, um, recently on the internet and it was the top 10 uh, conspiracy theories on the internet, you know, top 10 conspiracy theories on the internet. Um, and so I'll, 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 I'll go through these really quickly. These 10, yeah, go ahead. um, JFK, nine 11, moon landings, chemtrails, flat earth, clones, aliens. Um, Paul is dead. Elvis is alive. Like pop culture, uh, figures, um, uh, reptilians, Shape-shifting reptilians and then number 10, uh, stage shootings. So it's interesting. So, so, you know, to me, so look at those 10 things, you know, that I just named off. These are being portrayed, right? This is conspiracy. These are being tr- con- uh, portrayed as conspiracy things. Well, JFK, right? The official narrative's a joke. <laughs> I mean, you know, we could go through this list and we could see that, you know, most of these things are true, you know, to varying degrees, but they're being presented as these crazy, wacky conspiracy theories. Um, you know, I'm not saying all 10 are true or false, but, but this is how disinfo works, right? You know, let's say half of that list is, is true or, you know, most of it. See, when you start to mix, uh, fact and fiction, that's when you get into the real, uh, you know, disinfo, COINTELPRO kinds of, uh, psyops. Um, you know, they specifically plant these hoax stories 
within the truth to then point to the hoax and say, see, look, that's fake. So this other thing was fake, you know. Yeah, you never um, truly know. Right. Especially yeah. nowadays. Um, it's a very complex type of issue to decipher. And, of course, we are um, – we're not running out of time just yet, but we are definitely coming to the end of the interview sure. here soon. Um, but there's another thing I did want to mention was I had heard you, I believe, on one of the last shows with, with Jim Fetzer. And there yeah. was a, another gentleman on there who was very, very angry. I believe he was talking about, <laughs> I, I think he was talking about um, some sort of a white genocide type of thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> some sort of plan of that nature. I thought, my goodness, why, why is he so angry? Yeah, that got intense, didn't it? Why was he so mad? That was super Whoa. intense. You're, you're right. You know, I'm looking here. Um, I've got the, I happen to have that clip that you're referring to. Mm -hmm. And I have, and I have the transcript to that exchange. I think at one um, time he was saying something like that no one really, no one really tries to question him about his views because he's kind of like an intimidating figure. And he, yeah. he said something like that. And I just thought, what? Yeah. Here, I'll play it for you. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Here you go. The fact of the matter is this, is still to this day, and it's going to change if we don't do something to stop it, still to this day we're a majority white country, founded by white people, okay? That's a fact. And if you want to go ahead and, and sort of, you know, this is the way that I look at it, because, hey, you know, dude, dude, I, hey, listen, hey, listen, I'm going to interrupt. I think you're, go I think you're a racist. Uh, you're right. I am a racist. Define, define racist, and I'll tell you. Well, I, this country is nothing about being a white majority. Yes, it is. It's about the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. Yeah, who wrote and, that? And now you're a race. Who wrote Thomas Jefferson? Yeah, he was white, wasn't he? I thought he had red hair, though, didn't he? Intense, it really it? did. He he's very adamant about this whole white genocide type of uh, movement. There, he was talking about on the program. Some people, yeah, Paul. Yeah, some people really do believe that there will be some sort of civil uprising, and I'm not exactly too prevalent with that sort of thing. I I just don't believe that's actually ever going to happen. Um, if if you recall back in the day, um, I'm forgetting what year it was, but um. Helter Skelter, remember Manson? 
Yeah, right. So it, it yeah, just brings the, me, the, that's, that's mm-hmm. PSYOP. <laughs> it, it brings me back to that sort of thing, what, what we're seeing here today. And I, I have to say that I, I, I don't have a personal issue with, with, with Caucasians or any race having some sort of pride, uh, having some sort of pride in their heritage or anything of that nature. Um, I, I just want to be transparent with everyone. I'm, I'm of multi-race. And there's no hate in my heart for any race out there. And I had certain mix-ups growing up with a few African-American children, and I didn't grow up hating them or anything of that nature. But I know that sort of thing does fuel some groups out there. Yeah, and, uh, you know, maybe if Paul is out there listening, um, he could come, he could call and I'm sure you would give him the yeah, forum. Well, I to- wonder, I wonder what happened to him. Did he, did he get beat up? Yeah, did they meet somewhere? You know, he that, that was a line that stood out to me the first time I heard that. It was like, "Tell me where you want to meet. I, where well, do you want to meet? Wow, and we'll settle this." What was right? that? Yeah, yeah. See that? That's not the sign of someone who's a rational or a critical thinker of any of any sorts. That he he yeah. want he wants to get right into the whole violence thing. I thought I was like sitting in a bar or something for a moment. He's like, hey, let's step outside. You want to settle this outside? You know? I mean, it's not really uh, that big of an issue to get into a fight over it. I mean, goddamn. Yeah. And then you've got Jim there, you know, uh, he, he's got to try to keep, you know, settle both people down, trying to moderate the situation. He's like, Rolf, 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 <laughs> yeah. Paul, Paul, Rolf, Paul, Rolf. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> but I, I, he had tell you this, out for I, I will tell you this though. I, I have talked to, my my Caucasian friends out there, my my white brothers, and and some of them have told me that that they do feel like white people do get blamed now for for certain things, and and there's a lot of white guilt in America going yeah, on right now. Yeah. Do, do you feel that sort of way, uh, Dan? Do, do you feel um, amongst your your white brothers when no one's around? Do, do they tell you anything of that nature? I myself. Um, I look, no. I look like, um, probably just like a normal Hispanic male to you, probably, or to anyone out there. But I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm a mixed mutt. And yeah. Well, yeah. They, yeah. And then of course, once the whole immigration type of discussion gets going, people are outraged who, who, who think I'm going to be for open borders because I'm here in America. I'm here in California. Um, all yeah. that noise, but I'm, I'm kind of far from that. I see the, the dangers and I've seen all the problems that, that is presented, especially since I live in a border town. And yeah, people get really pissed off once they find out that I'm not for open borders whatsoever. Completely the opposite of that. Uh, yeah. You know, that, that, that's the tried and true, uh, divide and conquer, you know, strategy. Um, you know, race in America. I mean, that's been such a s- successful tool, you know, for the oligarchs to control people is through, um, uh, discrimination, uh, which was a term that was born out of, you know, of course, the bankster contrived American Civil War. Uh, and that's the era that gave us the term discrimination. And, you know, and it's just been a tried and true um, tactic uh, for them to divide and conquer. Uh, so for me, it, it has no effect on me. I mean, I, I don't, you know, I have no, I'm not even engaged in those discussions. I'm not thinking about it at all. You know, I, my awareness um, is higher <laughs> than, uh, you know, falling for such uh, just, you know, cheap tactics. Yeah, there's some of, people out uh, there. Racism. Who, yeah, there's yeah. people out there who do fall victim to this, but it is a very small percentage. And I, I must say that there are groups 
um, of every race out there that do have hate in their heart and will commit acts of violence. Uh, it's not just one specific group. I mean, humans, sure. humans are just violent in general. And I, I kind sure, of yeah. see everyone as a potential menace, uh, to be completely honest with you, Dan, to a certain degree. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, like if I, you know, like let's say I'm walking down a street at night. Um, if I see something and to me the signal is it's a threat, um, that alarm doesn't isn't rang that that threat bell isn't rang based on a skin color to me like it's like like that's not a level I'm thinking about um you know I've been frightened by you know every you know every person I've you know <laughs> encountered um in various ways so you know it's the actions it's the presentation um you know there's so much more there you know um, you know, that, that's part of the, again, that's part of the psyop. Like that's part of the, the, the 50, the post-World War II, uh, suburbanation of America, you know, was you had strong ethnic families who were rooted in the cities, you know, Philadelphia and Cleveland, Cincinnati, all these places, uh, especially in the Midwest, Detroit. Um, and they had, uh, an identity, you know, they were, they lived in the Italian neighborhood or, you know, the Catholic, went to the Catholic church. Um, and then when the suburban psyop, you know, uh, engineered those families to break up those families and neighborhoods, push them out in the suburbs, then to only essentially be isolated. And then their identity went from being Italian to being white or middle class Right. words that are meaningless. They're absolutely meaningless. I mean, I feel pity for someone who says, oh, I'm middle class or I'm white as their identity. And that, that doesn't mean anything. You know, um, people used to say, you know, I'm an Irish Catholic, right? <laughs> you know, um, you know, I'm Polish. Um, and so that, you know, part of that psyop was just erasing people's identity, their true identity, and then placing um, a monetary and a skin color label on it. Yeah, I just, I just tell, I just tell people I'm American. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I wasn't born in Mexico or anything like that. Yeah, uh, so, you know, so, so that's what, um, you know, that to me, that's where I see that, um, you know, the race card has been a tried and true, uh, you know, psyop, um, you know, obviously. There uh, was something interesting that, that the guest did say, however, about the media. Um, putting up these, uh, commercials that, you know, that it's kind of, mm, it's yeah, kind of catering to different sort of groups that we, we don't have. They're, well, they're not large groups. It's a very small percentage and the media tries to portray it as yeah. bigger than life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if your worldview was based on what the, um, you know, the corporate media shows you, you would think that, you know, everyone's gay, uh, you know, every other person's gay or tranny and has a biracial, you know, marriage and, um, you know, that's all not these, the truth, like, social, it's just not know. the truth. Yeah. That's just not the reality of things. Right. Right. You know, I mean, I think, um, the, you know, the sexualization, um, psyop, you know, and, and, and sex has been used just like race has been used. You know, to, to pit people against each other. Um, but 
you know, I think it, we've seen that with the transsexual social engineering campaign, it, it really hit a wall where, where people were just like, no, okay, you know, I, I bought your gay thing, you know, and your gay marriage thing, but no, I'm not on board for this. I don't, I do not know a transsexual person. I mean, I, I just, no, sorry, you know. Do, do so you, I think, do you dislike, yeah. do, do you dislike homosexuals, Dan? <laughs> you could be honest here. It's okay. Um, I, I um, feel that homosexuality has been uh, used as a very successful weapon for the oligarchs. Um, no doubt about it. Um, and again, it's another one of those um, engineering uh, methods to normalize the abnormal, right? Um, you, we, you know, we ha- you have a population of two to three percent globally of homosexuals. Why is the representation so disproportionate? You know, it's sort of like uh, the Jewish question. Um, it, it, it's a lot like that, you know, where the Jewish population would be two to three percent. Um, but why are they, you know, have such a big, um, you know, why are they put out there? You know, why do they why do they control the situation so much? So that's the way, you know, so that, that's one way that I see that those are related. Um and, and Dan, are you a religious uh, man? Religious, um, religious, um, r- r- uh, no. Religion it, to me is, uh, I, is a state sponsored psyop. Uh, all, all organized religion is, um, you know, is a weapon. I'm an agnostic atheist myself. Yeah. All, all organized religion. I mean, you, you talk about, uh, you know, successful psyops. God, you know. Uh, religion, you know, that, that's bigger than the television, you know. <laughs> oh, yes. And going back to uh, Jonestown and Jim Jones, he was, uh, yeah. was he biracial? Was he a biracial man? Uh, or did he come from a biracial was, family? Is that what it was? No, no, no. He was a white guy from Indiana, um, but um, he acted like he's a black guy, you know, ah, and he could, he could really do that well. Um, and he embraced... Um, black folks into his, uh, you know, into his community. Yeah. He was, um, he was trying to create a, like some sort of utopia. Yeah. Yeah. His, uh, a socialist utopia. His, there we go. His sermons, some of his sermons, um, when I first heard those, uh, they're almost like Richard Pryor stand up from the seventies. I mean, <laughs> That's I'm not, true. I'm not kidding you. You're kind the of right. The amount of, of, of profanity that he uses, the way that he uses it. And it's in its church, right? And I swear, I mean, it's like listening to Richard Pryor, you know, if he was a preacher. <laughs> oh my, I'm glad you brought up um, Richard Pryor just very quickly. Um, have you been paying attention to Sasha Baron Cohen, his his new program? Uh, I've been following the story. I haven't seen the program. Oh, you are doing a disservice to yourself. You've got to watch the program. It, it's just, it's so funny. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wasn't um, uh, there a storyline with um, um, oh, uh, the Alaska, Alaska? Oh yeah, Sarah Palin. Uh, yeah, Palin, Palin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. She was on there. Um, her episode hasn't aired yet, if if I recall correctly. Still okay. hasn't aired, but but um, what what's his name was on there? Um, I believe yeah, Dick Cheney. I I think he was on. No, not Dick Cheney. Um, God damn, I'm forgetting his name. He's he's another guy. Damn, what 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 is his name? His name escapes me now. But um it'll come, yeah, it'll yeah. come to you. Um <laughs> But what is it about uh the program that 
you find interesting. Like, um, you know what? It actually it was Dick Cheney who was on the program. Dick Cheney, really? Yeah, actually, yeah, it was Dick Cheney. Okay. Yeah, now I'm remembering correctly. He wanted um, Sasha Baron Cohen actually had him autograph his his waterboarding kit. <laughs> it's like a little water jug, and he actually signed it. But there was another guy who was on there. I'm forgetting that guy's name, but yeah, Dick Cheney was on that program. And just the fact that he got him to actually sign it, that, that deserves a round of applause, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, you gotta give credit where credit's due. I mean, how, how, how can you get mad at that? Because I know a lot, I, lots of conservatives out there, lots of the Republican Party out there, they get very angry about this sort of thing, but at the same time, it's like, how can you really get mad at that? No, I, I can only celebrate. <laughs> it's just too damn funny. Yeah, that's great. I mean, yeah, that uh, th- my mind's just reeling with other uh, possible uh, items that could be signed by, um, you know, living uh, political figures. It, it's uh, tremendous yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah that's funny. Go ahead and and, uh, and watch the show if you ever get a chance. If you want to laugh, it's a it's I a good do. time. Yeah, it's a great time and. Um, Dan, I have to say, it's been a great time having you here on the program. I wish I could have you on longer, but there is another guest coming up here. Oh, I, uh, I've been tickled to death to be on the air with you here tonight, Michael. It's just been a blast. And I'll say howdy to our good friend, uh, Dr. James Fetzer, uh, for you. And, um, and, you know, I'll try to figure out what's going on with the Paul. You know, we heard that his phone call there, that fight, uh, that sounded pretty intense. Um, uh, uh, so I'll try to get to the bottom of that as well, but, um, it's been great. Um, and this is the end, the end of days again. I'm going to have to put on that song at the end now. Yeah. Play that as your uh, outro music. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to get that on here. Um, but Dan, it's this been, it's been a pleasure and honor to finally get you on here. I feel like I'm going to have to bring you on here more often. Um, there's so much any, more. To any discuss old time you. you like. Any any old time you like. Yeah, we didn't even get into a lot of our material. We um, certainly didn't. It was a fun time. I didn't even get asked you any of the questions I had written down. Uh, I just threw that yeah. out the window. I did the same thing. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm always prepared. And um, yeah, once we got rolling, I was just like, ah, I don't need these tonight. Yeah, you just you really uh, don't sometimes. And I'm gonna have to, you know, I'm gonna have to just bring you on here when I interview another guest and just have you sit in. Yeah, that would be great. You know, and I'd love to, uh, talk to some of your listeners out there, especially that one guy that scared Jim, you know, a couple weeks ago. Oh, yes. Like, uh, chef is Yeah. Sh- sh- show me your evidence. Where's your evidence? Where's your evidence? Yeah. That, that chef is, he, he was a uh, tremendous, he was firing off full cylinders as well. And uh, Jim Fetzer. Show me your evidence. Damn, Jim Fetzer. Uh, you know, it's I, either I, me or him. It's either me or him. Oh my God. I can't believe he said that on the air. Michael, it's either me or him. <laughs> <laughs> how oh man how embarrassing and i lived i i love jim by the way don't get me wrong i i actually see him kind of like a grandfather to me kind of the way i see um jordan maxwell when i met him last year and ate lunch with him you know I, he actually put his arm around me and i actually had to carry him to go eat uh lunch last year at the <laughs> conscious life expo and you know i view him and i view jim I view both of them like like my grandfathers. Yeah, I mean they're the they're the elder statesmen. They are the professors, the most dangerous minds in America. Some even say. I agree that Jim with Fetzer, you. Especially that Jim Fetzer. Yeah, that goddamn and Jim jo- Fetzer. 
Yeah, Jordan Maxwell, you know, what a sharp-tongued devil he is, right? Indeed. So, Dan, once again, thank you for being a part of the program, and we'll definitely touch base in the near future. Um, anything you want to plug, any final word, uh, go ahead. The form is yours. I'd like to leave you with a couple of uh, my favorite quotes from political figures in current history, and I think these are rare moments when both of these fellows had something uh, very important to tell us. Uh, this is 13th CIA Director William Casey. 13th CIA Director William Casey said, We'll know our disinformation program is complete when everything the American public believes is false. That's straight from the mouth of our 13th CIA director. And George Herbert Walker Bush. This may have been the most honest thing, in my opinion, that he's ever said, which is, if the American people ever find out what we have done, they would chase us down the street and lynch us. George H.W. Bush. Amazing. I'd like to leave you with those thoughts. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, those are... uh, those are some truth bombs. <laughs> yeah, great stuff. And Dan, yet again, honor and pleasure to have you here. We'll do this again. And mahalo. Michael, the pleasure was all mine. And I'll catch you on the other side of midnight. All right, my friend. Good night. And when I return, part two coming at you. Stay tuned. And welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for being here with me tonight. I hope you enjoyed the music. That's one of the reasons why I take so long here on those breaks. I just get into this sort of mood and get lost in the music. Now, here we are in the final stretch of the program. And, yeah, I'm joined by another soul, Mr. Muggsy Brady, will be joining me here in a moment. What's going on, my friend? There you are. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, what's goody, man? How you doing? I'm fantastic. I can't really complain. And I forgot to say, I certainly do appreciate everyone out there who is listening to this. I love seeing all those pretty faces out there and even the ugly ones. We are all one. So, uh, Muggsy, how are you, my friend? What's going on uh, down under? Man, we're in winter at the moment, so uh, it's literally cold as balls, man, and it, it just sucks where, you know, like waking up each day freezing. I can't wait for the summer to come. But, uh, man, just hustling and grinding just for any opportunity for, for the dream, man, and getting my name out there. So I, I was happy when you <clears throat> when you got back to me, man, because um, there's a lot of blogs out there. I'm not going to mention names, but a lot of blogs and podcasts that are playing assholes man you know so it's it's nice to find uh the good ones out of the bunch man so thanks for having me on yeah thank you for saying that i really do appreciate that and i must ask how on earth did you find this program yeah man i was um i'm on a um a podcast group on facebook i think it's called uh podcast guests or promote your podcast and uh you know, uh, I can't remember what show you posted up. You, um, uh, man, I, I don't know. It was one of the shows and I listened to it and man, you kind of got like a Howard Stern slash Joe Rogan sort of vibe where it's just chilled out, good conversation. And I was like, I got to hit this guy up and just talk about hip hop and just anything in general. And hey, man, you got back to me straight away and 
here we are, man. So I found you on like one of those groups. I'm on multiple. Oh, so wow. One of two. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, that makes sense. And of course, this isn't Power 105 or Hot 97 <laughs> or any of that or, or any of that shit. But I do love talking to all sorts of walks of life here on the program. I um, love this platform that I do conduct. Everyone is welcome to be here. I, I do appreciate everyone who wants to be on the program. And of course, I've dealt with a lot of people who um, they're not as kind as as you would say. So mm. I understand what you're talking about there. And I could go further on, but I, I've done that sort of thing. I've buried plenty of people so many times. It's kind of a waste of time, rather, to uh, go over that. But I, I really do appreciate you um, reaching out to me. And th- there's so much to get into here with you. And um, I'm totally excited. It, it's it's quite amazing that you found this little program. It's like hidden in the shadows. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's it's awesome, man. Um, I, I love doing the interviews. You know, whether the, whatever the range may be, whether it's small, medium, big. You know, um, just to <clears throat> just talk about anything, man. Even just talk about smack and stuff. You know, um, and it's. If it's not like a um an interrogation, you know, because I've been on somewhere, it's like an interrogation, Ooh. Where, you know, and, it, and it's just like, damn, man, like, all right, but when it's like just free conversation, just talking about anything under the sun, man. You know, I, I gotta, I, I got to, uh, I gotta take a few shots here. Someone had, um, went and did some intel for me, and they heard mm. one of your interviews with, I'm not exactly sure who it was, if it was like some sort of couple, it was a guy and a girl. Mm. Do you do you recall uh, that it might have been sort of new, not not so new, kind, uh, kind of recent? Kind of girl, uh, man, I've done so many. It was probably like swarmed in like the pile of what I've done. Uh, what were, do you remember what we were talking about? Or it, it was more? just really awful. It was really corny. Oh, nah. Um, I have to. So it's recent, okay. Um, it was like a hip, it was like a hip hop show or something. Hip hop show, and it was on what was it on like my YouTube or something? It, it was like, like on yeah, it was like on YouTube or something. I was told, and yeah, they they didn't like it. Ah, oh, no, I I couldn't even tell you, man. I've done so many for 2018. It's probably in the swarm of the. Uh, I'm on the list right now, and I wouldn't even want to bore your audiences with going. Oh, I'm gonna be on. The, I'm gonna be on the list of, of, of awful interviews as well. Don't worry. <laughs> nah, man, it's it's pretty smooth sailing. I think, man, I'm not gonna put them out there. Um, but I remember the podcast very clearly. I got on there. Oh, I went. I went on like a few weeks before. There's some horrible shows out there, my friend. Oh yeah, but these guys are like peaking at the number one for me. So, oh, they stunk. Yeah, like I went on the first time and uh, they said, uh, you know, where where are you from and stuff. I'm like Australia, and then um, it, they were like filming around a podcast kind of table. Like there was one guy talking to me, and the rest I couldn't see because the camera wasn't on him. And one of the guys was like, "Oh, we're not dealing with that. Turn off the mic and like just signed out." And I was like, "What the hell?" I was like, "What the fuck?" Like that. So a few weeks later, um, they got me back. They got me back on, and I think it was a setup, to be honest, because I they, they said this thing, oh, we had a power outage or some shit. So I was like, oh, all right, get on the show. And uh, they're like, um, you know, t- tell us what you do. So I'm telling them, and the guy's like, oh, you're not that important. 
and they kept like grilling me and they're like, oh, wow. what are you doing now? Oh, I'm working on this documentary. It's like, oh, we don't need to hear about that. And I was just like, dude, like, is this like a podcast thing or is this interrogation? Are you really fucking with me right now? Like that. And I just thought, oh, I just went off thinking and the way they promoted as well, like, oh, don't be bothered checking out this artist. You know, he's just like lame and all this shit. And I was like, man, that's just not bad publicity. And then were, were, were these Americans? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're Americans, man. Like, oh, wow. Yeah, it was just, it wasn't even, like, just better, like, like fooling around. It was borderline just jumping on and let's just, like, fuck this whole guy's career up for, for, like, our audience. And, man, I just went, went off, like, went off and, um, there's probably footage of it somewhere. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, I just went off thinking, man, like, that is probably the worst interview I've had. Was that planned or was, like, that just, I don't know, man, like, that was really bad. And um, I checked out one of the guys, and he's an aspiring rapper as well. And some of the shit he writes to upcoming artists is just insane, man. Like, he just destroys people's careers before their eyes. Like, oh, you're never going to make this and da-da-da-da-da and, like, give up on this. I'm like, who the fuck are these guys, man? Like, really? You know, so <clears throat> just a bad experience, man. Wow. Mm. Mm. That's, uh, that, sounds, uh, that sounds awful. Yeah, uh, it's... It's bound to happen, man. But I, I just, I just got caught in the crossfire. But <laughs> yeah, or maybe just, it uh, could have been good. If it depends how you played it, but um, who knows? Maybe they were being serious with you. Yeah, uh, who, who knows, man? Like, just I don't know, man. I, I love like you know chatting and respecting everyone, man. But like when it's like, oh, I'm doing this now. It's like, oh, we don't give a fuck about that. So why have me on the podcast to? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why yeah. even invite you if that's how they're going to treat you? But yeah, um, you are a rapper and also an actor, if I recall. Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, it, before um, we went on the air, uh, you said you did your podcast in 2012. Right. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I started acting in 2013 till now, man. So kind of similar, but uh, yeah, I, I've. I've uh, Never studied it, never trained in it. I just jumped into it, did little extras roles and featured roles, and directors started giving me, you know, scripts, and I just read it in my own kind of way, you know, just chilled out. <laughs> and so far, they've liked it since, man. So, uh, yeah, I kind of did the two-part program, you know, when you had to choose, you didn't have to audition, you just went in and did, and they gave it to you. Oh, I lost you there. Oh, you lost me? Yeah, you need to get a little bit closer to your microphone. Oh, my bad, man. That's all right. You, you started hitting the table, and I lost you so slowly. Yeah, so can you hear me now? Oh, you still sound a little muffled. Oh, dang. Yeah, you were sounding great, and then the the table, you were banging on the table, and then I lost you. Oh, okay. Uh, so I'm using my laptop mic. Uh, yeah, just, just, yeah, just get your face right up in there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there you is are. That what, yeah, is that what she said? Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I just got into the acting field, man, because um, I was doing music for so long, and there's, I, I was trying to figure out if there was another form of entertainment out there. Uh, and yeah, I just got into the acting side of field, and it's given me uh, a shit ton of work, man. And I love playing all these different characters, and for independent films over here. Nice, <laughs> yeah. But there's some roles, man, where it's like I, I can understand how the professionals do it now because. It takes you out of that element of your everyday life. Like, you know, you enter some difficult characters where it's like, damn, how am I going to escalate this 
you know, onto the screen um, without, you know, being corny, but it's not who I am in my everyday life, you know? Yeah. Understood, understood. Um, I'm glad you're doing that, though. It's good to branch off in different areas you feel the most creative in. Yeah, uh, 100%. Um, I love acting, man, but nothing beats music. Like, yeah, if that's know. your first love. Yeah, let, let's talk a little bit about your music first, and um, l- let's hit that rewind button and go back to your roots here. Um, who exactly influenced you? It's, it's um, to me, it's a little bit different for me from the outside perspective. Someone who really doesn't listen much to today's hip hop. Um, I, I do listen to rap, don't get me wrong, but mostly it, it's most, most of the older stuff. Um, th- there is some stuff nowadays I could, I could definitely not just dismiss right away. If, if it's a good beat or something, I, I won't dismiss it completely. I'm not that sort of, uh, picky about anything really, but in terms of where you come from, from an outside perspective, I'm very interested to know how exactly you got involved and in all of this, my friend. Yeah, yeah so uh, I'm 27, you know, uh, but I, I started hip-hop music when uh, I was like around late 14, early 15. Um, that was the early thousands era, so, you know, you had the the three kings, man, which was 50 Cent, Dr. Dre, and Eminem, <clears throat> and, you know, like, shady records and stuff, and, uh, man, uh, you know, high school was not, like, I'm sort of, <laughs> I, I was sort of like the, I guess you can say, loner kid, in a sense, you know, and uh, I used to get, like, picked on and bullied and all that kind of crap, and uh, I, I just, you know, started with the whole, you know, let's try and give this hip-hop thing a shot, and um, I started dropping down rhymes, in my workbook because obviously a mark came out and all the teenagers were like yeah let's try the battle thing and um but i knew if i want to progress as an artist um i would have to really study this culture and and really uh have product out there which you know so i made like a demo i think it was like one or two one or two tracks or something and yeah the rest is history man it's just had that that goal and that dream just to go for anything and and you know, push it out there as much as I can. And now a lot of uh, a lot of people know me for my music and acting. And um, I've had a lot of crazy stories to tell, man. And nice. And and how, where where exactly are you in Australia? Sydney. So okay, where the, the harbour? Yeah, where the harbour bridge is and the opera house and all that jazz. So uh, yeah, but, uh, that's kind of my, my little origins, man. So just fourteen till now. Nice. I've been just rocking with it and i like what you said man where uh you know you'll listen to to today's stuff but not my not much a fan i'm the same like i haven't really found anything that i've um i've really that's really caught my eye and there's uh, underground so. there, there's underground artists however that are, are very talented uh, don't get mm. me wrong there are great musicians out there great rappers great groups just plenty of undiscovered gems out there yeah, that that that's that's the sad thing about it, man. Um, because you know I know guys that uh like exactly incredibly inta- like talented and have messages, but also have that funk where it's like you can you can like they've got a, a powerful message, but you can also get up and you know groove to it. But it's just I don't know what they're thinking to sign to get on a track and mumble like literally just mumble is just it's garbage you're not really yeah you're not really with that then 
Nah, I'm not with the the mumble rap scene, man. Um, I don't know. I, I I'm 27. I guess I'm considered an old cat. I don't know, man. Like you know, the kid, if the kids like it, it's all good. But you know, I I they, there's like, yeah, Moxie, why don't why don't you listen to this little yardy stuff? And I'm like, yeah, put in a rock him album or something. You know, it's just I don't know. It's yeah, and I've I've heard your music before. I've heard some of your tracks, and I could definitely tell there's that East Coast influence in you. Um, in your music as well. Yeah, uh, you know, a lot of my top fives are East Coast based, um, like 50 Cent, uh, Nas DMX, you know, Rakim, uh, uh, you know, Tupac. Well, he's, he was born on the East Coast, but he, you know, rep, rep the West and that, but, uh, you know, like Snoop Dogg, of course, but, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, a lot of the, 90s and early thousand stuff that I really I really love man and uh, I guess I'm sucked in my bubble where it's kind of like when a new generation or something comes it's like oh no, nothing will will beat my era but I'm kind of like spoon fed in a way and this yeah. and this resonated with you so much that you pursued um this avenue and yeah I I, I just felt man that you know uh, identity for me is uh I felt that it, it, it creates a sense that like you've got the jocks, you got like the nerds, you got all this sort of stuff. They've got like this sort of image. And, and before I found hip hop, I, I didn't really have nothing um, like that sort of image. I was just like that, I guess that loner kid in a sense. And I looked at these guys like, you know, Eminem and D12 and all that. And they had this godlike mentality in a sense where they, they could just like walk into any room or any, any place and, and no one would, you know, like fuck with him in a sense. Um, and, and I want to be like that, man. Oh, like, so you were, you were drawn into these charismatic, uh, charismatic, larger than life personalities then. In yeah. A sense. And, then, and then, um, uh, like, you know, I was, I was so spoon fed these kind of artists for the, the, the uh, early thousands. I, I was like this. And then I'd hear about these old school arts like Run DMC, Public Enemy, and then the seventies, which was, you know, um, Grandmaster Kaz and, you know, Curtis Blow and all that. And when I'd like look at their styles, I, I, I'll think, wait, they're not from the, the thousands. Well, what's going on here? And then I realized that there was a culture way before this. So I started really researching about, you know, the South Bronx and 73 and, you know, the mainstream when it came into the, the eighties with, you know, Run DMC and the Adidas and just nonstop stuff, man. Yeah. Mm. No doubt, and you mentioned uh, Eminem as being one of your biggest influences, and uh, looking at him now, it seems kind of like uh, I'm not exactly too sure what to make of him uh, nowadays. You saw his last sort of large media appearance where he was doing the quote-unquote uh, freestyle there, and it was uh, pretty awful, to be honest with you. Uh, I have to admit, I was expecting something something vile and cruel like the lyrics found on a D12 album. Um, but I didn't find that in, in the last sort of rendition that he was on on TV. But, I, you know, I, I didn't expect yep. anything on TV. But later on, his his music hasn't really been that good, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I can't argue with that, man. Um, I per, like as an Eminem fan as well, I, I personally agree as well. Uh, you know, not to say he's not talented, by the way. I don't mean to bury him too bad. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent, man. Like he, you know, he. 
obviously we had we had white eyes before him. Like, do you, do you think dumb. it's just? Do you think it's just the? I'm sorry to cut you off there. I'm very rude. Um, do, do you think it's just the money issue that he's not producing that sort of that that sort of great lyrical content uh, that we all miss so much? Uh, I think no, the mansion, the the mansion in the gated community. Do you think that has uh, clouded his judgment, his mind? Uh, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's the money, man. I, yeah, I think it's more. Uh, Growing I, I old. Know, I, I, yeah, I feel that you know it's he's doing a lot of political sort of stuff now, you know, and right, right, that, and and all that. But I, I feel that um, uh, I, it, it, I feel like his fans will always turn towards you know his Marshall Mathers and Slim Shay stuff. That when you try and do this serious, you know, mature political stuff, it's like. You know, you were talking back in the day about I know, slitting Trump's like throat and you know killing your your wife and that's so like we can't. We, it's it's sort of like you know, you, you, not your time is done, but uh, I don't know, man. It's just it it, it comes across as corny in a sense. Uh, yeah, it, where, it's, it's it's so corny and cheesy nowadays, don't, don't you? Yeah. Well, you just said it, but yeah, I, I'm with you on that, my friend. Yeah, I, I just feel that. Die Hard, uh, you know, I, I go like to a lot of hip hop groups and stuff where when you see like the, the king or in a sense, the girl like doing, doing a collab with like, like an Ed Sheeran or something. It really, I know it's trying to fit for the younger generation, but to a real who grew up with, you know, 99 Eminem, um, and that till, till now, it's like, man, and what are you doing? Like, you know, just, you wouldn't see like, like an ice cube doing that or you wouldn't see like a uh an, you know like a real a naughty by nature or something, like a real underground ice doing that um it, it's just it's trying to mold into the the new kind of generation um but it's like you don't need that acceptance because we know who eminem is just stick to what you are you know sort of thing if that makes sense um yeah definitely definitely and it's um very different now. Music has changed since, oh, yeah. since the early days of hip hop. I feel there's no. Uh, is there person. even is there even hip hop? Can we even call it that nowadays? What we have been, really, what what is considered mainstream music? Stuff that's on like the top 100. Um, just to be more specific. I feel there's no substance anymore with it, man. Like there's just, um, you know. I, I came, I came from where there's a message of what you said, but also you had everything, like you had the whole package, like the, the beat was right, the lyrics were, were right, um, um, the imagery was right, and now it's just like anyone can jump on a beat and, you know, be a rapper, and it's like, oh, they've got this dope ass bars and stuff, it's like, yeah, but the beat is like stale, or the, the imagery is like stale, there's not that, that wow factor anymore, like I, I feel that, you know, it, to this day, you could put on like a DMX song or something, or a or an Illmatic, and it, it's still a classic. You put on like a like where will Kendrick Lamar or something be in like ten years? Like no, you know, it's it, it's there's no substance anymore. Maybe it's forgotten. Yeah, like I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it's 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 dead, man. But I, I just feel that you know the industry really needs to see what underground artists are doing and start pushing that forward more than these. Yeah, they should. Yeah, they should. The Internet kind of killed um, the 
the uh, music business entirely, really, in terms of sales. Yeah, I, I just feel, man, like this, it's starting to become more like, because, you know, the internet, but it, it's more corny now. Like, like, no, it's, no like it, it's like, that's where, like, a, a girl's dress and tattoo park face, because it's going to wow the viewers and stuff. I'd be like, did you see what that artist did? And it's like, to a real hip hop head, it's like, man, is that how you're representing this culture of just doing phony, corny shit? Like, it's just, yeah, each, each day you see like this little something or this shorty something and they look, they look like, like Tim Burton Batman villains, man. They're like mascots in a sense, man. It's corny. Yeah. The internet yeah. really has done that sort of thing. That's why social media uh, has been the downfall. I, I, I like to put that in, in all quotes there. If anyone's ever mm. going to quote me, please quote that. Mm. Yeah. So. I don't know, man. So uh, maybe I'm just stuck in my bubble. Who knows? But uh, I just wish it was that back to the the way it was. Maybe it's for the the younger generation. Who knows? But to I don't think that um we'll get like a, another Rakim or or something. I no. Just, yeah, it's just a lost art, in my opinion. Yeah. It kind of is, and you know there there's still some some old school cats out there. You know it's. They're not completely gone. There's people like Necro who are still out there. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, you know, I've interviewed him many, many moons ago. And, and did he, he? He said the same thing, man. Like, like you know, it's kind of, kind of dying. He it, kind it. of feels that way, but I, I respect him and I respect uh, ICP. Even though you know, I don't listen to oh, the, yes. I don't listen to ICP, my friend. But they've got a a, a diehard fan base and. They can make their their money off of that, and that's what they yeah. do, and and have been doing for a very very long time. And I respect any musician who could live off of their music. I myself played in band many many moons ago too, so I, I always admire those who could make a living off of the off of something they've made uh, musically, especially. Yeah, uh, I, I'm, I'm glad you said, uh, ICP, man, because, uh, you know, I've, I've really, well, mainly Shaggy to Dope's solo stuff, um, like his, his first album, man, you know, I was sort of on the bandwagon of, because, you know, he had the, they had the beef with, you know, Eminem and D12. Sure. So and it's like, who, who, who the fuck are these, you know, clown face paints? And then recently I saw what they're doing for the, um, you know, the Juggalo community. I really or, respect or, them though. I, I, I have to just interrupt you again and just say that I really <laughs> respect those guys. They have a tremendous drive and they've, yeah. been, they've been able to create something out of nothing. That's pretty yeah. impressive. Yeah. And, and like, you know, I, I recently, you know, Gay, sort of gay, yeah, opened my ears and gave him a shot, and I was blown away by his, his um his solo stuff, man. It's a real catchy sort of stuff, and I don't, I just don't understand why they get so much hate for like it's kind of like hate with no reason behind it. Um, and yeah, I just hope they uh, keep doing what they're doing, you know, because they're doing good stuff. Definitely. So, yeah. what what's going on out there in your neck of the woods? Just daily life. Out there in your country, the way I uh, um, envision your country is everything out there is trying to kill you, uh, insects and the things in the water. It's it's a very frightening place for a for a foreigner like myself. 
Yeah, yeah, man. Like, uh, it, it always comes under the stereo, stereotypical stuff, but it's some of it, majority of it's true. Like, you know, the, where, when you say, do you have big spiders over there or snakes that crawl under your car to attack you? It's, it's legit or true, man. Um, you know, we, we have this one called, uh, red belly black snake where in summer they, they love the heat. So what they do is they crawl or slither into like the rim of your wheel. Or, or like under the bonnet because it, it fully heats up. So when you're trying to get, if you're in like a country kind of area, um, if you're trying to like walk to your car, man, they think they're getting attacked. If you open the door and they sling out and try and bite you, man. So it's, yeah, it's, um, some insects and creatures aren't fun to play with, man. Um, and the sharks thing, I, I haven't really been paying attention to it. So, uh, I don't know what's going on with it. I heard something about. I'm more afraid of the box jellyfish. <laughs> yeah, that's more Queensland way, man. Um, like, uh, up near Brisbane, not, not really New South Wales. Uh, so like, you know, the Great Barrier Reef and, uh. Right. Yeah, um, and all that sort of stuff. But, uh, now that's, that's way, way long Yeah, that's away far from, from you, right. Yeah, man. Mm. That's where, uh, Steve Irwin or something. Oh, where yeah. he got killed. Yeah, but, uh. That goddamn Steve. stingray, yeah. Yeah. Bastards. Yeah. <laughs> How yeah. goddamn dare they kill such a great man? And I must say, I've talked to plenty of people from your country, and I must say, everyone I've ever talked to has been so polite and uh, so kind to me. I really do like the Australians out there. Tremendous people. Oh, I, I suppose it's just, man, because... A lot of love maybe. for them. You know, ever since I started doing this program... Um, mm. You know, being American, I, being an, an American, I must say, I didn't really care too much about the outside world like many Americans do today. Um, I'm just, I'm just being a straight shooter with you now. Most Americans here today, the majority, you know, they don't really give a shit about other countries out there. They only care about America, and there, there's nothing wrong with that. I love America too. Don't get me wrong, um, but I must say, ever since doing this program, I've talked to plenty of people around the world. And some of the most incredible people I've ever exchanged messages with via email, and they listen to this program and they support everything I say here, and it's really remarkable. And everyone's yeah. so kind around the world; it's amazing. It's it's amazing, man. Like for even as I'm being interviewed right now, like all different walks of life. Like you know, I've been on Canadian ones, um, UK. Uh, Europe or, or this sort of stuff, and it, it's weird how you listen and you can hear the different accents and cultures and stuff, and it's just like, yeah, we're not really alone. Like, it's not just one culture, man. It's, it's just a worldwide thing. It's But to them, it's like that. that's normal to them, what's normal to us. Like, you know, it's like, I, I feel like everyone talks like me. It's like, there's a whole different world out there, you know, so it's crazy. Power of the internet, I suppose. Yeah, and you were like asking me before we started this interview if you had an accident. I'm just like, well, of course you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I suppose like uh, I live in here for so long, um, I can't really pick up on it. I, I just thought, damn, like, do do I sound like you know Crocodile Dundee or do I sound different? I, I don't know. You it, sound it fine up. though. We, every I think most Americans love a foreign accent. Hmm. Yeah. Like, uh, it's weird. I think. When you lived here for so long, uh, for 27 years, man, it's like you can't really pick up on your accent when everyone sounds the same as you. So, yeah. Yeah, bad. it's a, a weird vibe. Mm. It really is. And, and going back to the whole 
when I was saying this is in Power 105 or Hot 97, obviously. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I talk about all sorts of wild shit here on the program, and I'm I'm just curious. Yeah, I'm curious what you think about um, extraterrestrials and the paranormal and all sorts of strange fringe topics out there. Um, where's your mind with, with all these things? Where are you? Are you on the fence? Are you believe, do you want to believe what's going on with you? Have you ever had any sort of strange experience growing up perhaps, or any strange lights in the sky for you? Any of that, any, anything of that nature, my friend? Uh, I, I love it, man. Um, all, all that conspiracy sort of stuff, like ghosts, aliens, um, the men in black, like that's a creepy one that, uh, it was called like the men in black where it's like their faces, they, they didn't have like a face, but they would like come in like black suits and stuff. I, I watch all that conspiracy kind of stuff on, on YouTube, man. And, uh, you know, I don't even know if it was a ghost or, or, or what it was, but I remember this one time, um, I was up in Brisbane for one of my friend's birthdays ages ago. I was probably in, year 12 or so 18 at the time so year 12 um and uh and we we were chilling for for his birthday and you know we had like a bar a bowl of scotch and and stuff and um my one of my old friends his ex-girlfriend she got kicked out of her house so she had to go to her grandparents place she was she was like can you can you can you walk me um to to my house and it was on the other side of brisbane city so maybe like I don't know, like a four or five hour walk. It was absolutely insane. And we hit about three, maybe three in the morning and there was this narrow road and we're in the middle of the road. And on the left side, your guys right, um, was houses. And on the, the right side was a forest. And then up the hill, there was like a, like a turn off in a hill. And my friend, friend was like, Oh, her, we couldn't walk anymore. And, and we're just like, Oh, you know, I'll just take her up the hill, you know, because her grandmother, like, lives, like, a few blocks away and stuff. So, like, cool. And me and my other friend are sitting there on the road waiting for him to come back. And out of the woods comes, like, this guy. I don't even know if it was a guy or not, but it, it like, had, like, a sort of, like, black fedora hat, drench coat. And he just walks out, walks across the road and walks up the hill. Meanwhile... While my friend dropped her off and he's coming down the hill, like in the same sort of, you know, face to face direction. And oh, wow. he walked behind, and he walked like behind, like, you know, behind a tree, but it was clearly like not even from a distance. It was like directly near, near each other and kind of walked behind a tree and we didn't see him walk past the tree. Um, and you know, it wasn't like we, we could see him. It just looked like he walked into the tree and like, faded off and we said like yeah you see that guy in the in the coat and stuff and and he, he was like no i didn't see no one walking up and i didn't know if it was just because i was like losing lack of sleep or not but or if it was a ghost or whatever it was but yeah that that was a that was probably a weird experience because it was just so eerie at, at, like seeing that come out of just this endless forest into you know that um so yeah that's probably just my only experience if it's good if it's crappy i don't know how good the story is but yeah it was that, pretty good yeah and don't yeah, get me wrong but, it was it was fantastic i'm glad you could share that with us um so many different things do get discussed here on the program and i'm looking at the time here and my goodness it is almost that time to wrap things up here but before i do um there's a few more questions i did want to ask you and sure. in term yeah in terms of tv and and movies 
Um, you're, you're doing the whole acting thing again, which is fantastic. Um, are you more into television, television shows or are you more of a movie guy? Oh man. Um, personally, I used to be a movie guy. I love movies, but now I'm more, uh, a TV show kind of guy. Uh, if you're talking about watching wise, um, right. Yeah. TV shows because you can fit more in it. Uh, and I feel that. You, you can get more of the story and like, I love TV shows where I can binge watch it, where like Entourage, Ballers, you know, Power, where I, ju- I just like watch one episode, next minute I've watched like five episodes and, uh, yeah, that's the thing I love about TV shows. Movies now, I feel that they've kind of bombarded it with putting too much, you know, effects and action and stuff in it compared to the story and yeah, it's getting a bit, um, stale movies for me now. It's very rare to see a good movie. Maybe I'll see Equalizer 2 or I can all like that, but, uh, Marvel movies and stuff now, no, I'm, I feel like it's going to be bombarded with, you know, like the films that are coming out. Uh, you know, I, I, I like, I remember when you'd get X-Men and then two years later you would get Spider-Man and you'd always wonder, what are they going to bring out now? Uh, what's the next hero? And now it's like you get four films for one year and it's kind of like, becomes the same repetitive yeah, and they're all the same ever. yeah that's yeah. kind of a complaint that i have every time i yeah. bring this this question up and i'm glad you notice it too it's that same hollywood formula that's used repetitively uh time and time again and it's kind of like goddamn, you're tired of this this nonsense here uh you you yep. would expect that all the great minds here in the united states and of, of course around the world you could try to come uh try to come up with a, a new formula but it never really uh, happens in Hollywood. They they always go back to the same formula, or they go back and they do a new rendition of something old, and it just it's just terrible. Yeah, it, exactly, man. I, I feel that's a big mistake with Hollywood, where they'll take a uh, an old franchise, which is like a classic, and try and remake it or remodel it, and it's and it's sort of like you you you. On thin ice. Yeah, it stinks. Yeah, majority of things remakes become incredibly terrible. So it's like the it's it's just a money making thing, man. Right. You're you're really pushing away the fans if you're touching on the wrong, um, you know, series or like you know, um, franchise in a sense. Right. Um. Yeah. It's kind of like what they're doing with uh, um, what is it, uh, Batman, where uh, they're always trying to cast a new guy to play the Joker, and it's like, well. You know, you, you, you're picking these actors, but it's like, we've already had Heath Ledger, you didn't need to cast more and more, like, you know, move on to another character and don't right, right. try and destroy this, this universe sort of thing. By the way, so, you, yeah. you, by the way, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you just reminded me of Anthony Bourdain. Uh, he just went out, um, what are your thoughts and opinions on, on that whole thing? If, if you are even aware of, of any of that, um, are you? Nah, man. Um, so, so, man, I'm probably not even in the loop. But uh, what, what was that about? Uh, sound a bit dumb now. Anthony Bourdain. Um, no, well, well, you know, he checked out recently. Some people were saying suicide. Some saying he was murdered. Um, all sorts of strange things are still being talked about. Um, Mr. Anthony Bourdain. Uh, I don't. I'm not exactly sure why I even brought up his name, but. You sort of just, nah. you just made me go back to that for some odd reason, and I just thought I'd ask you, but 
Um, it's okay though. Don't worry. There's just so much going on around the world. Um, um, you know, you checked out from the news the last time I talked. Well, earlier we talked, you said you're just completely done with it, right? Uh, like, you know, the only news I get is when someone tries to spam it on, on Facebook or something. But, oh, I see. Um, yeah, I, I feel that, um, I, I haven't really been paying attention to the whole Donald Trump and everything thing because it, it, it causes just a, a shit can of worms. Yeah, you know, that remind. yeah, that reminds me. How does your country perceive Donald Trump? Uh, major, if, if I could say as a whole majority hates him. Oh wow, uh, they hate him. Yeah. Well, I'm not uh, that shocked. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I don't really have an opinion on him, man. Uh, good, I haven't right? really, I haven't really followed much of what his policies are or, or, or not. So if he's doing good, if he's doing bad, who knows, in my opinion, but, um, yeah, like it, if you mention his name over here, it's like everyone just says, oh, we hate him, we hate him. Ooh. It's like, oh, okay, do I have <laughs> to hate him? Draw some heat over there, huh? <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, politics and stuff, man, I have no idea. So if I, if I even brought it up, I'd get grilled. With it, it's a slippery people. slope, no doubt. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And I, I <laughs> do want to thank you. For being a part of the program here, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but again, I, I do want to thank you tremendously for being a part of the program. It was fun to have this discussion with you, and um, just before I, I let you go, I do want to bring up the fact that I, I did open up a beer before talking to you, and mm. I, I've been enjoying that, and we kind of got into this, this discussion where you told me that, that alcohol is something very hard for you to quit. No, uh, very hard for me to quit, man, but it's only the fact, uh, cause off air, uh, recently almost having my attack, where with a heart attack, um, but, uh, yeah, the doctor said, yeah, you gotta be on, on pills, like 11 pills a day for three months before your heart can get back to, like, normal, and then you my can, like, goodness. start. So you, you have these heart, you have this heart condition. Well, what happened was, you know, um, so, uh, I, I, I used to have this, I probably can't do it anymore now, which sucks, man. I, every, you know, week or fortnight, I would have this thing called a cigar day where I just like chill with my friends, have some beers, have some cigars and stuff. Right, right. And, this, and um, in this one, uh, this one in May, I, I had a, but I, I had a cigar day while I had the flu and I was just having it. And there's probably something in the air, I don't know, medical terms. And that night, I went, I went to sleep and I couldn't stop coughing. Like I had like, you know, smoker's chest sort of thing. Ooh, yes. So, 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 so I left it and I was like, oh, it's probably just, you know, a past thing. And it hit about the fourth or fifth day. And I got to the point where I was borderline, couldn't breathe. I was like fainting sort of thing. And I, I was like, you know, to, to my friends and stuff, like, so, uh, you know, I don't live with my parents and with my friends. I was like, you got to drive me to the hospital. I think I'm having a heart attack. And, um, rushed me to the hospital and they said uh that there was a virus that was you've got like the heart the your heart and around the shell you've got the shell of the heart the muscle of the heart and the core of the heart which is three things and the virus was attacking the shell of your heart which was inflaming the muscle trying to set off the core as a heart attack and they said if you basically if you basically came here you know tomorrow or the next day or left it for any longer you basically would have um been heart failure which is lights off and stuff so you're very lucky you you rushed in um the fainting and stuff was slowing down your body and your heart rate to the point of yeah like um 
heart attack, basically. So I'm on 11 pills for, man, like, you know, three months until I can go back to normal again, which which sucks, man, because when I go right. to the bar, the bars and the pubs now, man, it's like all my friends and stuff are having beers, and I've got to sit there with, like, oh, water or no. something. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, it's horrible. I hear you, man. That 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 is a little terrible there, and... Oh man, I'm sorry you have to endure that sort of thing. Oh no, it, it's all good, man. It's just the first day out of hospital. It's like you got to change your whole, you know, eating and lifestyle. Yeah. And I was just like, I was like, dang, you gotta know, change up your whole routine. Exactly. So it's 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 weird, man, because it, it's sort of like damn, three months, and it feels like three years. And you know, like on my original lifestyle, you know, just drinking and stuff. Three months would pass in an instant. Now it feels like three years. It's just, it's horrible, man. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> it is bad. It is bad. And I feel for you. I'm not yeah. much of a big drinker myself, but I do enjoy a bit of alcohol every now and then. Oh, man. The Australian culture, we love our, our beers and stuff. You man. love your um, beer and you love your rugby. Yeah, man. Are, are you are you a fan of rugby? Honestly, man, I'm gonna sound like the worst Australian possible, but I'm not. I I'm can't. Not a fan. I I don't follow any of that, but I, I do. When, once it randomly comes across my feed on YouTube, I'll, I'll definitely watch it and watch people get just laid out cold. <laughs> yeah, it's like, awesome. My, my whole family love it, man. But um, I swear I gotta be over there in the states or something because I'm a, um an NBA fan, man. I love. Um, you know, basketball and stuff. Obviously, my my fair player doesn't play anymore, but I don't know. You're basically yeah, I, an American then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I you're an American. Huge, we we need to get you over here. Yeah, I was a huge Allen Iverson fan, man. You know, crossed over Jordan and 76ers, man. Like, I, I loved him because he brought the whole the whole hip hop vibe to the NBA, and he could play as well, which was which was dope, man. So. If I ever get to meet him, uh, that'd be a dream come true, man. <laughs> yeah. Very nice, very nice. And and where can people find your music, my friend? Yeah, mu- music interviews and all around, just everything. Says you search it individually. Just type in Mugsy on Facebook, M U G Z Y. Um, but to Australian UK viewers, that's M U G Z Y. Hit me up, uh, you know, like a message, all that jazz, and yeah, that's my number one platform. I use is Mugsy on Facebook. And any favorite tracks of yours that you have that you would recommend someone from the outside uh, to check out first? Uh, yeah, my top three tracks that people just love is Understand Me, Can't Stop Us, featuring Pablo and My Journey. They're my number one three, so check out those three. Uh, free download on my Reverb. Um, and, yeah, like, that's my – you can, you know, buy them on iTunes and stuff, but, you know, free download on, on Reverb and stuff. <clears throat> yeah. Very nice. And any other kind of music do you uh, do you listen to at all? Um, any anything you've never really discussed elsewhere away from rap? Oh yeah, absolutely, man. I love R and B. Uh, like you know, I love uh, rock and roll. Uh, very you know seventies A stuff. So you know, Michael Jackson, Prince, Rolling Stones, uh, man, Kiss. You know, uh, all, all different kind of stuff besides hip hop. Yeah, you have good um, taste. Yeah, I, I love, uh, Prince's music, man. Uh, when, when, when he, he died, um, it was funny. Mom, oh, not funny, but my mum called me and she, and she's like, Prince died. And I thought she was joking. Like, you know, I just thought, oh yeah, yeah. Thanks for waking me up. You know, and she, she was just like, no, serious. And I was just like, dang, man, like, 
really like he, he he's left the earth you know purple rain and everything man That's a, he's a great musician mm. yeah so uh it's a shame I, I i'm a 90s kid man born in 91 but you know uh, something about the 80s man maybe because i'm addicted to scarface who knows but you know uh, um Good times. Something, yeah something about that era man you know studio what is it studio 54 oh stuff. yeah movies yeah. are just not the same Nah, 80s, 80s and 90s movies, uh, 80s and 90s movies are my favorite by far. Yeah, oh man, like, if, if only there was a time machine to go back in time. Yeah. No doubt, uh, no doubt. I do certainly wish I could go back to, uh, 97 of all the years just to relive that one. It was a tremendous year. Uh, even being a child, I still remember all the sort of pop culture type things going on around me. It was, Definitely a different time in America. Yeah, man. Like it's it. it should, I, I love speaking of back on conspiracy theories, but I love those mo- movies like where, uh, like like the butterfly effect and stuff, where the the present him would go back in time and see the little like you know the baby of him or the you know the the past of him, and it's just. It, it, it trips you out, man. Like it, it makes me think, and I have this conversation all the time with friends where. Where, you know, what would you be like if the present you went back in time and saw like the five-year-old 90s of you, you know? And I'd just be like, man, that'd be so trippy to see. Uh, I love all that conspiracy time. You know, look up the, look up the show Outer Limits sometime on YouTube. I think you'll enjoy that. Yeah, I definitely will, man. Like, you know, I, I recently saw, it's on DVD now, but that, uh, Project Almatic, I think it's called. Where like those high school kids make a time machine and it's, uh, self, what is it, uh, self cam footage one, like Blair Witch Project sort of thing. Oh and yeah, they do, like, found, a, found they footage do, type material. Yeah, and they do like a That's time cool. travel, yeah, time travel kind of thing. And at first when I heard about it, I thought, oh, this is corny, how are they going to work this? And man, they worked it out. It turned out fun. good. <laughs> yeah. That's it for sure, man. Very nice. Yeah. And Muggsy, I have to say, it's been a, Tremendous honor talking to you as well. It's been a great night. I didn't really know what to expect, to be honest with you, because I really don't uh, screen the people that I'm going to interview at all. Uh, most of the time I'll try to take notes, but those really go out the window. Nah, it's all good, man. I was ha- happy to do it with you. and It was a lot of fun, man, just talking, you know, hip-hop, talking movies, 90s, everything, everything that I love under the sun, man. So I, I personally thank you and wish you... All the best with, you know, future artists that come onto the show and just anyone who comes on the show, man, and, you know, you have another fan here in Australia. Fantastic. I feel the same way. I definitely like uh, some of the tracks that you've made. You're a great artist yourself, and I definitely wish all the best for you and all your future endeavors, and we'll definitely touch base uh, in the very near future, my friend. Yeah, too easy, man. Before I go, if I come over to America sometime, hopefully I can have a... An American slash Australian view of you sometime, man, but I know who to call. Oh, no well, doubt. If you ever make it to California, we'll definitely hang out. 100%, man. Take it easy. Have a good All right, night. Take care, my friend. Bye. Good night. And that was Muggsy Brady, great, great guest, artist out of Australia. If you're listening to this on a replay, keep in mind you can listen every Saturday night at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 11 p.m. Eastern Time, live on the TuneIn Radio app. And if you enjoyed this program enough and want to help keep the program running, go to michaeldeacon.com and click that donate button. 
would really appreciate that. The bills are stacking. I need your help. Let's keep this project running full steam ahead. Now we, now tonight we may not have found every answer we seeked for. However, we further connect all the pieces of the cosmic puzzle board one at a time. And I don't really care what race you are, what gender you are. I appreciate all of you out there. As the wars rage on, I'm Michael Deacon. Thanks for listening. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody. It's crazy. I had no idea they should have existed before 1726. It's the simplest shit. You go in there, you see the person, then you got a nickel on there, I said, okay, man, you're not going to I'll bring you by you, talk to them. Yeah, that's what I want. Just for what it's worth, I want to put in my two cents to tell you both that you have one of the most incredibly well-rounded shows. Planet Earth about to be recycled. Your only chance to survive with us. Now you say you keep saying us. Terrorists. Flawless victory.